Football Podcast. What is up, fantasy people? You're back with the True North Pod. Trav and Ty in the house. Ty, how you doing, my man? I am living the dream. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well, man. Things are things are bumping for True North. We're getting into the swing of summer. Canada Day is fast approaching, and I now have uh, eight more days off after today. I took the week off, so I'm pretty stoked about that. How you doing? Good weekend so far? Yeah, yeah. It's been some weird weather, some good windiness, but yeah, it sucks that Canada mm. Day falls on the Wednesday this year. Do you have to work for Canada Day? Or no, you're off for... You're off for I eight do days. not. I am off Must for the entire nice. week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I gather you're working on Canada Day. Yeah, we're gonna work Canada Day, so we take Friday off. Decent. Get that long weekend. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. That'll be nice. That'll be that'll be good when the weather hopefully kicks into full swing. So, uh, yeah, Ty, we we got a fun pod tonight. It's the first time you and I've been back together in probably a couple weeks now. We each did a solo guest spot. So we want to send a thanks to the Dynasty Sons and to James Brimacombe for joining both Ty and myself separately on the pods. That was really fun. I think we I think we hammered out a couple pretty good episodes, eh? Yeah, I had a blast with James Rimacombe. Uh, being able to pick the brain of uh, Best Ball Behemoth was a real treat, for sure. And your yeah. guys' episode was money, too, uh, with the Dynasty Sons. Yeah, it was fun getting on with those guys. Having having three guests was pretty cool, and uh, you know we love those guys. So it was fun to get together and see their faces and chat fantasy. So shout out to all of them. And uh, yeah, Ty, so things are things are bumping for True North. So before we get started, I just want to talk about a little bit of the stuff that we got going on. So uh, the biggest thing I want to mention is that we have launched our YouTube channel. Uh, so, you know, it's called the TNFF Network, and we are super stoked to be starting to put out some informational videos and potentially some roundtable type discussions. We, we kicked it off with a jam session all surrounding the Scott Fishbowl, and that was with our buddy Mark. And our buddy JD from Goat District. Uh, really appreciated those guys coming on. Mark is Master June 70 on Twitter. Um, that was really fun. So make sure everybody who is listening to this, uh, maybe you're watching, go check out the YouTube channel and subscribe to the TNFF network. We actually, we've got a contest there where once we get to 100 subscribers, I'm actually going to give away a True North t-shirt so you can get your hands on some True North gear. Uh, and I mentioned in one of my videos appreciating our new subscribers that I'm going to put some feelers out there and see if i can sweeten that pot a little bit so anybody who's listening right now please go to the youtube channel and give us a, a subscribe that would really really help uh it's going to be a lot of fun getting into video stuff hey eh, ty yeah totally definitely a new frontier some pilot episodes we're putting out right now what uh what do we got on the agenda for tonight on uh on this epi it's going to be a little bit of a different format than than what we do most times. It's almost like a little game where we're going to do Dynasty, Redraft, and Fade. Um, so we're going to pick some, or we've got groups of three players, triads, if you will. Uh, and we are going to say which player we'd want for Dynasty, Redraft, and Fade. Uh, Ty, you actually built the show sheet. So why don't you, uh, why don't you dive into what we're going to talk about as well? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Do you want to play a game? Yeah. <laughs> uh, how many how many Saw movies do you think you watch, Trav? Uh, probably like one or two. I'll be completely me honest. Me too. I I'm think not... I got a good three in me, maybe. Yeah, I'm not the hugest like horror movie fan. Like I don't want oh, me either. Jumping like, out of my seat while I'm watching a movie, and I don't have. Well, a I think it's a lost fan. Yeah, it's a lost yeah. genre. Like it's not like Silence of the Lambs is the way I describe a horror movie, but obviously 
there ain't no horror movies that are running for best picture anymore. But I think, no. you know, putting stereotypes aside, they definitely horror movies were a big part of my life for sure. When it comes to, uh, the uh, techniques of seduction with the with the ladies, right? Yeah, absolutely. They're coming in close. Maybe maybe a hand on the knee or something like that's a good way to way to break that ice when you're young and trying to get a little frisky. Uh, I know uh, I know Sabrina, my wife, really likes the horror movies. She's a little bit psycho that way, but uh, <laughs> uh, I love her nonetheless. She's my kind of crazy. So uh, <laughs> yeah, Ty, are you uh, you fired up for this episode playing a game or what? Yeah, I mean, like how it's going to work is we have to decide between three players loosely and sort of completely an entire ripoff of keep trade cut. Mm -hmm. And what we're going to do is take a trio of guys, split them up by format, and we have to kill a guy, gang initiation, fantasy football style. So we'll lay out three guys, one guy you have to take for your dynasty roster, the other for redraft, and one guy we got to vote off the island. Uh, The trios are what it's all about. Like all the gimmicks and thrills are not meant to draw attention away from the players. Cause really that's what this is. This one's going to be all about. We want to pit some similar players against one another. So we have some guys who have, you know, identical traits. Uh, a lot of them are going to be very close in drafts, be it redraft, best ball or dynasty startup. So we'll be talking some ADP, but yeah, it's that time of the year when we have to start making these tough decisions. We want to know who we're going to take inside of our tiers come our home leagues. Right. And it also helps us mine some value, right? Find some arbitrage plays or maybe chickety check ourselves if we're getting getting too high on certain players. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. Shotgun shell you add for there? your health. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just some ice cube lines. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Ice cubes. Ice cube. We like it. Old ice cubes. Uh, ice cube. Brings the B-boy out in me. Yeah, absolutely. Bootlegs and B-sides is still one of my all-timers. I love it. So should we start with probably the hardest decisions, but at the same time, not always the most impactful for a fantasy team, like the quarterbacks? <laughs> totally, man. I think um, this is like dual faceted, right? Like we we kind of ride on the fence as far as analyzing towards Superflex and towards 1QB. I think uh, we're just versatile that way. No big deal. Um, but, <laughs> you know, Superflex is a huge format, and I can say for sure that the majority of my leagues are Superflex. Uh, we got the Scott Fishbowl coming up that you and I are both a part of that is a super flex league. Uh, so I think quarterbacks are becoming more important in the, um, the eye of the fantasy gamer. So I think it'll be a good start off to, to touch on them and then get into some of them running backs and receivers, which we really love. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Like it's always, what I think about quarterback is always just the position in which the tiers are tightest packed. Like mm-hmm. actually Lamar Jackson last year, he had a historical advantage as quarterback one overall. Uh, a lot is dished about how special Lamar's season was, but on a point per game basis, he scored 6.6 more fantasy points per game uh, compared to the quarterback two overall for reference the year before mm-hmm. Mahomes had like a 4.4 point per game advantage over the competition. Peyton Manning, 2013, uh, shout out to Goat District JD, 3.2 point per game advantage. <laughs> Uh, 2010, Michael Vick, 5.6 point per game advantage. Die, Eagles, die. 2007, Tom Brady. Tom Brady, 50 touchdown season. He had just over a five point per game uh, advantage. I bring all that up really just for fun, but my point I wanted to make is the points per game difference. Yeah, like the quarterback two overall last year in fantasy, he had just over 21 points per game. Five signal callers had between 20.4 and uh, 21.4 points per game last year, according to fantasy data. So just one point per game difference. And even if you keep going down the scoreboard, we see the next seven quarterbacks in fantasy last year, they were separated by less than two points per game. And I'm going down all the way to like quarterback 14 or 15. Mm. So what I'm thinking is value is still very important at quarterback. That's all I want to say. Their price in fantasy drafts is more important to me than even debating between uh, inside the tiers. Whereas picking the correct running back in a tier can literally win Mm. leagues. 
I like but that. with all like that, that said, Trav, you, you said it, man. Like, it's a super flex world. Uh, a ton of leagues are super flex. The majority of stranger danger leagues are super flex. And picking between players in these tiers, it is super important. And those decisions can probably drive the success of a lot of dynasty super flex teams. Mentioned Lamar, but Mahomes was a massive W the year before. I think guys like Dak and Kyler uh, were huge W's last year as well. Um, Trev, I've been battling with this idea this offseason. What do you think about late round quarterback right now? Not the concept, like the names. The more I do drafts, the more I notice the types of quarterbacks that we usually target later in drafts. They just ain't there. The attributes I chase for fantasy are all, they're all higher up in drafts right now. And the names I do see, I just don't see that top five ceiling for fantasy. Yeah, I'm with you, man. It's it definitely gets a little bit sparse, almost to the point where you in a one quarterback league, you might want to take a second guy and stream stream from within, as I call it sometimes. Uh, So, yeah, you got to be a little bit careful. And like there is some upside there a little bit like Jared Goff is one that's maybe not super late, um, but a little bit later that I kind of like. So we're going to get into all these guys as well. So I, I think why don't we kick this off, buddy? Yeah. So who is our first group here? Let's take a look. We have Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, and Dak Prescott. So you got to pick one for redraft, one for Mm -hmm. dynasty, and you got to fade one. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah, so I'm going to start with my fade first is Deshaun Watson. And, uh, you know, I think it's a tough one because on a previous episode, you mentioned that he he could be set to put this offense on his back. And I think that it, it does look like that. Brandon Cooks is a nice acquisition, um, not necessarily a recovery from the Hopkins trade, um, but it's another body who is capable in there. But I think the fade for me just comes from the offense overall. I think, you know, he's not going to get those easy dump offs to the running backs because they don't really do that so much. And uh, I just think the other two are set to explode so that kind of gets me into kyler and dak and this one's pretty tough because it's interesting in my redraft uh in my redraft rankings i have dak ahead of kyler by one spot at the three and the four spots respectively but then you go into my dynasty rankings and i have kyler at the three spot and dak at the four spot so it's really really splitting hairs on these guys but for kyler and my selection as the dynasty pick I think it's just the pieces around him looking nice. The offense with Cliff Kingsbury is going to look really nice going forward. They made some offensive line upgrades and obviously Kyler's rushing upside gives him such a safe floor as far as points scored for fantasy, obviously. Um, And then moving to Dak, you know, I I do like him for dynasty. Obviously that, that contract being long-term would be sweet. Uh, But I think just, uh, you know, those weapons that he has look stellar. Uh, I think he's going to explode for redraft and that's kind of why he's my pick for redraft. Just with him looking to pass the ball a lot in that McCarthy and of course our boy Kellen Moore offense. Um, where do you sit, Ty? So I went Kyler Dynasty, Dak redraft, Deshaun Watson fade. Where are you sitting? I have it identical and even some of the uh, right down to the numbers when it comes to what you're talking about with Kyler and Dak Prescott and the interchanging uh, when it comes to Dynasty and redraft absolutely identical and I think you mentioned it perfectly like it is just the confluence of events that we see more likely in Dak Prescott Kyler Murray situation than we do with Deshaun Watson but basically I think it's an interesting group because this is a group of the top five quarterbacks in rankings and ECR I think it's the second tier in all formats behind only Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson um would you include Russell Wilson in this tier trap yeah, I think I probably would um, for for redraft purposes. Actually, for redraft and dynasty, Russ is my quarterback five, so right behind those two. And I think with those receivers that he's got, he's he, he's going to have some nice seasons coming up. So really, really close. But I like the three that you picked because um, there is some youth there and there is some change in those offenses. So it's definitely a good conversation to have between those three. 
Yeah, I think just going back to what I was saying about the types of quarterbacks that we're looking at in late round quarterback this year, that this is why I'm gravitating to this tier. It's just we've dipped our toe. It's earlier than we've had to dip our toe into the quarterback pool than past seasons. But for best ball, for super, this for super flex, I'm just thrilled to get one of those quarterbacks. I think we can throw Russ Wilson into that tier. I think he's he's a tougher sell for home leagues, though. You know, like mm-hmm. for dynasty, I have him in that tier just for the minute possibility that one day this offense throws the fucking ball. <laughs> and they will dominate the league on first down with their elite quarterback. And so for that dream, I'll still take a shot on Russ. He's he's number one since coming into the league in fantasy points per dropback. He's the number one quarterback in fantasy over the last three years combined. And he's, he straight up fights all the rules. He's just freakishly efficient. And for best ball, it kind of eliminates the downside that Russ comes with anyways, you know, those down weeks. And mm-hmm. until this offense does, tr- you know, transform probably so long as this coaching regime stays, those down weeks will be there. But so will weak winning stretches because of that talent and getting back into this tier as a whole. Ideally, we want to target like one of these four quarterbacks who falls the most in drafts or the one we we have the strongest conviction uh, on. But I, I really can't stress enough that hook up one of these quarterbacks. I want one of these quarterbacks this year uh, with rankings, site ADPs, the information super highway. You know, I late round quarterback just has such a footprint on even the most mainstream fantasy outlets and. There's there's many quarterbacks, there's just not many of them who have that explosion for fantasy in the range of outcomes. And I think Dak Prescott is in a great spot to do it. I think Kyler, Russ, and Deshaun are all special talents. And should their situation come together, uh, any of those guys can put up those quarterback one overall seasons. Yeah, love that. I love it. Real quick question, Ty. Where do you have Deshaun Watson as far as uh, redraft rankings right now? Just because that's interesting with the change in the offense and the lack of new Hopkins. I'm just curious. Yeah, and I, I have him as my quarterback six. So him and Russell Wilson, I think, are kind of interchangeable. I think whoever I'm going to get a discount between those two in a draft, I'm definitely targeting either of them. But mm-hmm. I, I strongly believe, and I think we'll talk about as we get into some of these other quarterbacks, that Deshaun Watson in that top six, they kind of mark these guys. I know it sounds stupid because they're all top six in ADP, but if we go back to last year, the values that we were mining, these guys all came later in the draft, if we remember mm-hmm. so. Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, they definitely mark the end of that tier of quarterbacks where uh, they really have a strong possibility to to wind up finishing top five in fantasy. Totally. Yeah, I have my sixth spot as well. Yeah. So what about these next guys? Yeah, Yeah. let's talk about them because these are the guys that, you know, arguably people will make arguments could be in this tier. Maybe they're guys who are in the next tier and you're targeting instead of the tier we just talked about. So I have Carson Wentz, Josh Allen and Matt Ryan. What do you got for me? Yeah, well, first, um, I, I hope you realize that I chose to disregard, kind of disregard your die eagles die comment earlier because that was uh, pretty rude. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, as far as this uh, triad of quarterbacks, Carson Wentz, Josh Allen and Matt Ryan, um, Carson Wentz is the one I'm choosing for Dynasty. Josh Allen is my fade and Matt Ryan is my redraft quarterback. I think the only one of the three that I can see even close to the tier above with uh, with Russ and Deshaun Watson is Carson Wentz. Uh, I think he just brings that proven production. He was quarterback seven in 2019. Uh, and I think, you know, he could have a top three overall ceiling, in my opinion, just if that offense starts to come together. Maybe not necessarily in 2020 when those receiver pieces are um, kind of morphing into what we hope they can be. But I think 2021 and beyond, he definitely has that ceiling. Um, no Homer, but <laughs> I think that, you know, it's every, everything's set up for him. The offensive line, uh, Miles Sanders is looking fresh in that offense. And yeah, I think Carson Wentz's talent is up there with the best in the league. So that's my dynasty choice. As far as the fade, Josh Allen, 
I just think regression is coming from especially those nine touchdowns that he had last year. I think that's going to fall down a little bit. You can't really bank on that. And just the inaccuracies, I think his, you know, I think his floor could potentially be being so erratic in the passing game in the next couple of years that the bills could potentially look for a replacement. Now that's not, not what I'm saying is going to happen, but I think that's potentially within the range of outcomes with kind of the profile of quarterback that he is. Uh, and lastly here, Ty, I'll kick it to you real quick. I think Matt Ryan for redraft is the choice just because that offense is looking nice and condensed, but it has really good weapons. I think Todd Gurley is going to be an improvement on Devonta Freeman. And uh, I, I think, you know, with the guys they've added in the last couple of years, the offensive line could get a little bit better. So I think that could help Matt Ryan as well uh so matt ryan's my redraft choice sorry dude i cut you off there have at her no i was i was gonna hop in on carson wentz i thought it'd be a good way to go back and forth there because i also have him as my dynasty one and i like that we have a difference here because i have josh allen as my redraft i have matt ryan as my fade um carson wentz he's probably the closest to that next year we just blabbed about and we've seen him be a top five fantasy quarterback in the past uh, Wentz is my quarterback seven in dynasty is my quarterback eight in redraft. So it does, you know, reflect that tier break that I was kind of talking about. I think there's one big hang nail for me and it's just that the quarterback position I'm looking for the next Mahomes, that next Lamar, you know, and Wentz is still fairly expensive in all formats. And with the power of hindsight, I just don't think Wentz really stacks up. Meaning I think he would have to throw like 45 touchdowns in a season to have mm. that, that top three season. Uh, weighing in on my fade, I, I just really, I think it's similar to what I'm talking about with Carson Wentz, but more extreme kind of, I say Matt Ryan would have to like break the record for passing, uh, for fantasy mm-hmm. this year, in my opinion, he's ranked pretty close to his ceiling would be my argument. I've said a bunch that Atlanta was a dozen completed passes shy of breaking the NFL record last year. And at the same time, uh, statistically Matt Ryan had one of, if not his second worst season of his career. Uh, the rushing for fantasy is definitely real, too. I think that's what we're kind of talking about here. We know some of the premiums we've had to place on rushing quarterbacks uh, in recent years. And Matt Ryan made that narrative easy to kind of spot last year. He finishes the quarterback 11. And every single quarterback inside the top 10 in fantasy last year had over 150 rushing yards. My point is, like, he, he was the quarterback 11 last year. It's just not the advantage we're looking for. It's lower than the bar for streaming quarterbacks, even. And if we look at points per game... Matt Ryan was the quarterback 12. Uh, he scored 17.8 fantasy points per game. And he he was in that giant second tier I mentioned right off the top of that be there. And the biggest reason I won't have a ton of Matt Ryan is that he's going to be one of the most expensive guys in that tier. I think that's, uh, that's something that I've noticed is that after Carson Wentz, it usually is Matt Ryan or Josh Allen. These are the, that's why I group mm-hmm. these guys together. And I, I get it too. There are arguments to make for Matty Ice. There's some fun narrative stuff like, the roller coaster Ryan is. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been the quarterback seven or better four times in his career. It's quarterback his year, eleven. Man. It's his yeah, year. yeah, exactly. And <laughs> he's on pace. Like it's literally been every other year. And the other narrative-driven one is that second year under a new coordinator. Leaving aside the fact mm-hmm. that Dirk Cutter could be fired at any point this season, this won't be Dirk Cutter's second season with Matt Ryan in Atlanta. So I wouldn't pay that one too much attention. It's like their mm-hmm. fourth season together. The one thing I was struggling with, though, post-NFL draft was maybe he can have that huge season, Matt Ryan, because even though some of us believe there'd be lots of change in Atlanta this offseason, uh, nothing really has changed. Atlanta should remain very pass-heavy. I like that yeah. you said Todd Gurley probably will be a better uh, version of Devontae Freeman, basically. Mm-hmm. But I just don't like relying on massive passing totals if I don't have to for fantasy football. And Ryan is the definition of a quarterback who relies on three passing touchdown games, 300 passing yard games. And frankly, 300-yard passing games weren't even enough last year to make Matt Ryan pay off his ADP for fantasy. Uh, 
he was tied with Jameis for the most 300 yard passing games last year. He had 11 games over 300 yards and he was just a quarterback 11, just three games over 25 fantasy points last year. Um, so yeah, I'm fading Matt Ryan. What actually, I'm just thinking you're in Scott fishbowl. I'm in Scott fishbowl. Mm -hmm. It's a six point per passing touchdown league. He's somewhat efficient. Do you bump him up in that format? Mm, I don't know, man. I think with, I think the points, well, negative points for incompletions is a pretty tricky one just because that pass volume. So, um, you know, if he's fallen to a little bit of a value, maybe, but he's not somebody who is one of my, you know, main targets at quarterback. I don't, I don't think that passing, I'm looking for the efficiency and yes, I think he is semi-efficient, but I think the, the potential high volume can breed some efficiency on its own or some inefficiency on its own. So, you know, not necessarily one of my main targets at quarterback. How about you? Who are you thinking? No, I mean, I, I, I'm, that's kind of my point. I think I'm fading him and I know mm -hmm. I'll move into Josh Allen. Like the reason I picked him in redraft over him is just that floor, you know, and I know I'm breaking this down and it might come across as narrow minded, but it really, it's just the projections look great for Josh Allen. I think he still gets close to hundred carries. How do you not project him for over five touchdowns? Uh, Cam Newton is the only other quarterback in the history of the NFL to post eight or more rushing touchdowns in back-to-back -back seasons to start their career. And Josh Allen's also led the quarterback position in rushing touchdowns since 2017. And he's, only been in the league since 2018, of course. But yeah, all, all rushing for Josh Allen. And with all the weapons in the passing game, arguably the best deep ball wide receiver in football mm -hmm. right now is Stephon Diggs. Totally. I think there should be some big spike weeks for Josh Allen as well. And I, you know, I, I have very little faith in Josh Allen and his deep ball accuracy. What I hope happens is maybe Buffalo passes far more on first downs and they just operate in that five to 15 yard range down the field because the there there is a knock against Josh Allen. It's they have a really outlier strength of schedule. Like it is really difficult, and it was a very easy calculated strength of schedule for the Bills in the passing game uh, in 2019. So even with how powerful their defense is to be a winning football team, they probably have to keep it safer than some people are hoping or thinking in the passing game in Buffalo. So I think that whole tier is, you know, it might be a fade for me overall in redraft mm -hmm. but they're guys i still have a lot of faith in except matt ryan's just the guy who i think doesn't necessarily belong in that tier or it won't surprise me if he's not in that conversation next year yeah i actually think ty you might have might have swayed me a little bit on that one because with with digs i think digs can kind of bring a little bit more efficiency in that deep passing for josh allen just because he's he's almost like john brown except a little bit more of a beefed up version he's He's not necessarily your 100% burner deep threat. He also wins with a lot of technique um, and route running as well. So I, I like that. And the digs, you know, I, I'm not super high on digs just in that offense, but I think digs from a real football sense and probably a fantasy sense for Josh Allen can be good for that Buffalo offense. So you swayed me there. Josh Allen's going to be my redraft on that. And Matt Ryan, I'll fade Matt Ryan. Just, uh, you know, maybe not, a, not as exciting. And, and those spike weeks from Josh Allen, I think are going to be much much more spiky than the ones for Matt Ryan. Yeah. And I'm even just thinking right now out loud, but what do you think if uh, like we saw John Brown going to that offense last year, we assumed exactly how he would be used in the fashion he would operate in. We were dead wrong. This guy was a safe wide mm -hmm. receiver. He was catching four balls and getting 50 yards every game. I wonder if Stefan Diggs is that guy this year. Uh, and he would be far more efficient in that role than John Brown was. That's for sure. It'd be really mm -hmm. interesting to see how that works and maybe just save his uh, vertical routes for play action and things like that. It'd be really interesting mm -hmm. to see how that all comes together. It's just that we don't have, yeah, we don't have the utmost uh, faith in that offensive yeah. ingenuity or scheming and play calling in Buffalo. It's almost, we have to see it almost. I don't know. 
Totally. Yeah, I, I like that. And I think Diggs can be better after the catch than John Brown as well. So uh, I, I think there's definitely some upside to be had there. Um, hopefully uh, Cole Beasley doesn't muck it all up by taking 100 targets. <laughs> I have him out targeting. I think I have him with like 80 something targets out targeting John Brown. Unfortunately. Ooh, damn, damn. All right, Ty, I'm going to move us into the next group and uh, kick it to you if that's cool. Um, so this next group is uh, definitely, there's definitely upside to be had and and some good weapons too. Um, Daniel Jones, Jared Goff, and Baker Mayfield. So out of those three, who's your dino, who's your redraft, and who is getting faded? So I kind of went uh, a little bit different thought process on this one. So my fade will be Daniel Jones. And right. let's do Baker Mayfield for my dynasty and then Jared Goff for my redraft. I'm going Jared Goff for redraft over Daniel Jones, mainly because of price. You're getting a little bit more of a discount on Jared Goff than you are Daniel Jones. And I think it, it, it really, this one might be very much how you play fantasy football. You know what I mean? Because unless Jones off, I want, I wish Daniel Jones brought a little more upside with his legs. Um, mm -hmm. Cause if he doesn't, I think he could be extremely boomer bust. That's what we saw last year. I also want to quickly mention Daniel Jones in the context of Scott Fishbowl because of his volatility from a real-life quarterback perspective, his ball security, and the way he seems to be oblivious to pressure. Uh, that makes him the poster boy for, almost, for, all, for all the players to avoid in this scoring format. But to me, he also signifies a player we can get a discount on in the Scott Fishbowl. And because he offers those big spiked weeks, he kind of makes for a great pick. Uh, he'll undoubtedly be pushed down boards, but should he use his legs more, maybe – the new offense in New York runs more run pass options that that gives him a floor and he can't possibly be worse when it comes to turnovers. And I know that's a big risk, but you know, I know big time throws are less sticky than turnover worthy plays, meaning the surroundings, the weapons usually drive big time throws. Uh, the quarterback's tendencies often drive the turnover worthy plays, mm -hmm. but I think those are the kind of hacks you have to try if you want to win a fantasy league that has over 1000 participants in it. Mm -hmm. uh, but just, uh, you know, Daniel Jones, he had four games, almost 30 fantasy points last year, over 28 fantasy points. That was among the league leaders. And since 1970, only three rookie quarterbacks have done that. Uh, one big concern, though, it has to be this new offense. Like Joe Judge, he seemed like a forward-thinking hire by a bottom-five GM. But the judge has had some decisions we could object to, I think. Uh, the Freddie Kitchens hire was a head-scratcher. The Jason Garrett being hired as the offensive mm -hmm. coordinator. That's got to scare you for fantasy. Last year, the Giants scored over 75% of their touchdowns on offense via the passing game. Jason Garrett's offenses in recent memory, they're closer to around 60% of their touchdowns on offense being in the passing game. League average is about 65%. Uh, I expect the team with Saquon Barkley, who hired Jason Garrett to finish much closer to that league average, if not close to that 60% mark. And what, what, what we have to hope for, if you like Daniel Jones, is that the Giants are so bad this year that they have to throw a ton in the second half which is an understatement, actually, if you look at last year's totals when they when you look at their pass-to-rush ratio. But uh, I think there's just so many questions that I have with Daniel Jones, it's easier to just wait around and take Jared Goff. Do you, do you agree with that? Uh, well, I actually have them a little bit different. Um, I, I do agree that if Goff's going behind uh, Daniel Jones right now, especially for 2020, I would I would definitely lean towards Goff. But so I'll lay mine out here. Daniel Jones is actually my dynasty choice. Uh, and Jared Goff is the redraft choice and Baker Mayfield is the fade. And for Daniel Jones, I think it's, you know, for the future, 
his weapons can only really get better. Darius Slayton, we like. Evan Ingram is probably a top five tight end when he's healthy. Uh, definitely a top five tight end when he's healthy. And uh, Saquon is, you know, a nice little safety blanket behind him. And I just think, I do think he has maybe a little bit more upside than we saw with his legs because he is mobile. Um, he just has to run the ball as opposed to throwing interceptions or fumbling it. Um, but I think, I think in the future he could get some of those rushing totals and get a little bit better in the passing game with, like you said, that defense not being that great and them having to pass the ball and getting those spike weeks, kind of like kind of similar to Josh Allen, like we mentioned just before, where he's going to get some of those big weeks just because uh, just the type of player he is. And so for Jared Goff in the redraft, I just think that offense is going to lean on him with having such such youth in the running back core. Um and I think for fantasy, he's, he's going to be great in 2020. The, the offensive line is still bad, so I don't think that plays to them being run heavy or anything. And I think the re- receiving weapons are still great with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and them looking to run more, more two tight end sets, which I think will lean to a little bit more efficiency and mismatches for uh, Jared Goff to exploit. So that's why I have him at redraft. And to finish up here, Baker Mayfield is the fade just because I can, with Kevin Stefanski coming in and two solid running backs in the fold right now, I could see them skewing a little bit more uh, run heavy. So I think Baker Mayfield will turn into one of those high efficiency, maybe lower volume type of guys, not necessarily the guy who's going to be giving you a whole ton of ceiling as far as fantasy is concerned. So uh, Baker, I I really like him because I like the weapons that are there and I like what he can do as far as being, being accurate. But I just think he's the fade out of that group for me. Yeah. So is Jared Goff your redraft then? Yeah. Jared Goff was the redraft. Yeah. I think he's going to have a really good year with, uh, I think I've said it before, uh, Sean McVay is going to try and kind of reprove himself as one of the best play callers after having uh, a weird year in 2019. I think they're going to come back with Cooper cup being uh, the focal point. Brandon Cook's out of there, so the wide receiver core is less muddy, and uh, I think Jared Goff's going to have a a sneaky season this year. Yeah, I I think it is like we were talking about. Like, it's going to be spiked weeks for safety. I think my thing with Jared Goff is that people are unfairly worried about him. Yeah, he sucks downfield, but what they did this offseason is bringing weapons to replace Brandon Cooks, and they all excel after the catch, the weapons they Mm -hmm. brought in. This offense will use a ton of pre-snap motion, shitloads of play action. They were number one in that department last year, and by not addressing their offensive line, I'm betting they plan to get the ball out super quick, Drew Brees quick. And we saw some of that last year, and that's why I'm saying about the deep ball. They threw deep less than 12% of the time, 20 yards downfield, right? Yet Jared Goff was third in passing yards last year. He supported a top five wide receiver for fantasy all season long. Yeah, it was cut for the first half, different guy, Bobby Woods, for the second half. But we also saw Tyler Higby proliferate. Overall, mm-hmm. under Sean McVay, though, this has been a fantasy powerhouse, like you were saying about them having sort of a weird year last year. And Heading into 2020, we should see McVay take this offense even further down the trail they're blazing, like this after-the-catch kind of thing. And mm-hmm. they already have over 4,000 yards after the catch from the wide receiver position over the past two years. That's number four and first in those seasons. And now with Cook's gone, you know, replaced by Van Jefferson and Cam Akers, that's only going higher in my opinion. And McVay more he, – he more than – it's just – he understands the limitations Jared Goff has. And yeah. I have faith in him scheming this offense. So us – Fantasy degenerates hate him less in 2021. Jared Goff, that is. Uh, and just looking at the running back and the wide receiver position, they have both scored top five in PPR pretty much consistently since Sean McVay took over. So give me the quarterback at the wheel. And man, Baker Mayfield, I, I just think he's so good. He's still my dynasty quarterback. Uh, 
So that was why it was kind of a hard choice to make. Uh, I actually have him like three or four spots higher than Daniel Jones, I think, in Dynasty. I think I'll still take uh, Baker and Cleveland. Uh, although we could get some serious down weeks when they pound the ball, like you're saying, I'm also coming around on uh, him for redraft, though, just because, mm. you know, we talk schemes and all the change in Cleveland. Uh, we could probably go into that some other time, but lots of those parts point to 12 personnel run heavy packages. When I roll all that together, it seems pretty sketchy for a team that's being painted universally as a post type sleeper, mm-hmm. but man, talk about outliers for strength. The schedule Cleveland has just such an easy looking strength of schedule in 2000, uh, 2020 on sharp football uh, after one of the most difficult strength of schedules last year, just as a total opposite of Josh Allen. And Baker, he had the definitive worst calculated strength of schedule for a quarterback last year on PFF Sharp Football everywhere. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of the talent for Baker. I do like the situation. I like the strength of schedule. I do expect Baker to put up a great touchdown rate. And for him and OBJ to develop some chemistry, that's, I think, the missing piece. Like, he could be so efficient this year. Uh, Kirk Cousins on steroids. Think of that with Stefanski <laughs> yeah. is kind of the way I see it, right? But I, I do worry this team is setting up to run the ball primarily, mm-hmm. and I, I see them being able to accomplish that in a lot of games this season because of that strength of schedule. So I am battling with it, and I think uh, in redraft, again, might be fading this whole group. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I hear that. It was a pretty tricky one to choose that one, our our final group of quarterbacks. And I think, um, you know, I think that Browns defense is definitely going to get a lot better as well. Uh, they got some really good pieces on the other side of the ball there, too. And I think that will kind of lean towards the, the run heaviness as well. So I think you put that in a nice little bow tie. Are we moving on to the sexiest position in fantasy football now or what? Absolutely. The bow tie is ready. <laughs> Love that. Look, that's dapper. Uh, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're moving into the running backs tie. And this top group is one that we talked about uh, recently on one of our episodes when we talked contract running backs. We got the holdout Dalvin- boys. Yeah, the holdout boys. That's right. Boys with a Z for effect as well. You got to put the Z <laughs> on there. Um, so uh, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, and Joey Mixon, who you got? Okay, so I have Alvin Kamara as everything. Um, no, yeah. <laughs> I guess we can't do that. That's cheating. So I'll take, uh, let's go Alvin Kamara for Dynasty. Let's go Dalvin Cook for Redraft. And I'll fade Joe Mixon. What's new? I know uh, I take a lot of heat for that one, but it, it's a tough decision. And uh, I just think it's it's pass catching, right? Like I think Dalvin Cook with, as so long as Stefan, uh, Stefanski left, but as long as Kubiak, you know, with his promotion too, full-time offensive coordinator. I think he's just going to use, use Dalvin cook up. Uh, But I do think when it comes to dynasty, Alvin Kamara, the upside, the top five potential, the 81 catches every season is just so appetizing that I can't not have him as a top five asset in, in startups. I really can't. How, how do you have those guys? Yeah, a little bit different. I actually have uh, Alvin Kamara is my redraft choice. Dalvin cook is the fade. And Joe Mixon is my dynasty pick. You know, I love Joe Mixon. Uh, and I think it was really tricky between him and Kamara because like you said, I think Kamara could be all three of these. Like Kamara is, I, I want Kamara in dynasty as well. And I think for me, what it kind of boiled down to is the fact that uh, I think Mixon has the safe carry floor. And I do think that he is going to get the pass catching here. So I think with Mixon, it's really tricky. Much like an article that you wrote recently, everybody check Why out. Why do you think... Why do you think he's going to get the pass catching? Everyone says he's going to get the pass catching, but why do you think that? 
I think I think he's the best skill position player in this offense. Joe Brady has shown that he can scheme up a pass catching running back, and Joe Burrow has shown that he can throw to the running back uh, effectively. So I think, yeah, he's just the best. He's somebody who they're going to want to use to insulate their rookie quarterback. I you know I think Joe Mixon's it, man. Yeah, actually, I have Joe Mixon ahead of Dalvin Cook in Dynasty, but I just don't see why he didn't get the pass catching last year, why he didn't get it the year before. So I don't want to just heap it on him now all of a sudden when this team will accommodate the other Joe, Joe Burrow, you know, the first overall pick. I just think they're going to run a lot. This is a super pass-heavy team, and it was shocking to me that Joe Mixon had such low market share in the first year under Zach Taylor last year. It was really disheartening, and... You know, Gio Bernard's still there. They drafted Travion Williams. They drafted Rodney Anderson. So I, I just don't see them heaping 90% of the snaps on Joe Mixon. I don't see them heaping uh, this pass catching work. It's really been yeah, frustrating. And I urge people to check out that article. I think I really yeah. uh, make a compelling argument that we can't just gift people work. And this guy needs to fucking pay off his ADP before we can start being in love with Joe Mixon. It's been three years, man. And I have him as my sixth overall running back in Dynasty, and it pisses mm-hmm. me off. <laughs> I would say that his situation hasn't been necessarily stellar the last couple of years. Uh, he has got the safe carries, but it's it's been a bad offensive line and an offense that's needed some some turnover. But uh, I totally see your point, and I loved that read. That was definitely a good read. So anybody that uh, that wants to check that out, go to truenorthffb.com and look for it. It was if uh, what was the title of it, Ty? It was pretty clever. I don't know something about give Joe Mixon the pass catching or don't draft them. Yeah, or pass like on. If you him. think That's he's right. going to get 10% market share, then draft him, but actually do the thought process and determine why you think he's going to get 10% market share, even though, because guys, I think people are underestimating how much Joe Mixon has crushed it on the ground. The guy's over 1,100 yards rushing back to back seasons. He is literally just crushing the league in goal line carries and red zone carries, although he's barely been a running back one for fantasy owners. And we've drafted him as a, you know, back end running back one. So it's just mm-hmm. crazy to me. I think, though, I mean, give the guy like 70 targets and he can return that back end running back one, you know, with all the with all that efficiency on the ground. But even without A.J. Green and as one of the pass heaviest teams in football with the worst game scripts, like everything was a confluence of events that Mm should have precipitated that last year. And it didn't. And Gio Bernard is still there. Travion Williams is there. Rodney Anderson is there. AJ Green is still there. And he wasn't there last year. And, you know, they brought in T Higgins. They bring in a new quarterback who, yeah, he passed a lot to Clyde Edwards Elaire, but he also ran a ton of zero back sets. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'll, I'll, I would, I just want to see Joe Mixon be the guy who split out wide in those four mm-hmm. wide receiver packages. Cause I do think we'll see a lot of uh, zero running back sets in Cincinnati with uh, Zach Taylor. And I, I just think 70% of the targets will always go to the wide receiver position in this offense. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to watch because people are drafting him in dynasty startups at like the mid to back end of the first. So uh, definitely a hefty price tag on Joe Mixon. Uh, real quick, just to whip off that other group, I think uh, Alvin Kamara with with that uh, redraft choice of mine. I just think this offense is just set to explode this year. Drew Brees is, Drew, Drew Brees is coming back healthy. Uh, they brought in Emmanuel Sanders, who is definitely a capable option at the wide receiver two spot, which we haven't seen a whole lot of in New Orleans. And then obviously Michael Thomas is going to be the focal point for any defense. So that Saints offense is just looking set to blow. Uh, and then 
Dalvin Cook's the fade just because I think uh, the injury history, of course, is a factor for him. And I just think the the rumblings and the fact that I think he really needs to be in one of these high volume rushing offense to be what he was last year. Uh, and if there's a chance that he's not necessarily there next year, I, I'm not sure that somebody's going to give him that entire workload with uh, with that uh, injury history that he's got. So Dalvin Cook's my fade there. Yeah, and yeah, I just want to touch on Alvin Kamara really quick. The reason I'm so high on him in Dynasty is because I don't see a lot failing for him so long as he was to re-sign with the Saints because mm-hmm. that offensive line is so elite, so potent. I have so much faith in Sean Payton as a, as a, as a coordinator, and we've seen them sort of transform this offense in the last three years into a, just a rushing juggernaut, and they score at a very high pace. And uh, since coming into the league in 2017, nobody has been more efficient for fantasy than Alvin Kamara. Well, actually, that's not true. Austin Eckler has been slightly more efficient than uh, Alvin mm-hmm. Kamara, but as a full body of work, introduced some volume, and uh, Alvin Kamara's 1.22 points per uh, points per touch when it comes to fantasy football is just ridiculous since 2017. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, real quick, Ty, just to correct a mistake that I made there when I was talking about Joe Mixon, I said Joe Brady. Uh, I totally forgot Joe Brady didn't come up with Joe Burrow. He came up with Matt Rule in Carolina. Uh, but I do like the Zach Taylor offense in in Cincinnati. They were really good at the beginning of the season. And he's been a part of offenses that have um, had really prolific running backs as well. So that was just a little bit of a little bit of a boo boo on my part. <laughs> good catch. Producer must have yeah. been in the year there. Yeah, I didn't catch it. Absolutely. I would, have been, I would have been all over that like a kid on a ham. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. there's a big difference, in my opinion, between Joe Brady and Zach Taylor when it comes <laughs> yeah. to scheming running backs, creative route running from the running back position, because Joe Brady mm-hmm. is a disciple of Sean Payton or the New, uh, New Orleans Saints. So I think yeah, it's definitely a distinguish, uh, a distinguish, you know, something like that. We have That's to distinguish between the to two. Distinguish. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. I see that. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you fly into the next group, Ty? Okay, so this group is a really fun group, I think. So I have Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, and Josh Jacobs. Who is the outlier of this group? Who is the running back one? Give me everything. You want it all, hey? Um, I think Derrick Henry in himself is an outlier, um, just to start off with that as the guy who's not going to be getting uh, a whole lot of target share. But I still have Derrick Henry as the redraft choice. Nick Chubb is the dynasty choice and Josh Jacobs is the fade for me. So it's to, tar- to start with uh, Derek Henry, who I spoke about as the redraft choice. I just think this offense with Ryan Tannehill re-signed with the passing offense looking very condensed, like Johnny Smith and AJ Brown are the only pieces I want in that passing offense. I think this offense has to run through Derek Henry. So I think that fat carry total and that's fat with the pH, that fat carry total is going to be there for him. I think, you know, high touchdowns are just built in with Derrick Henry. That's not to say like you're projecting like 14 touchdowns, but I think just his profile and the way they use him really breeds those potential double digit touchdown seasons. So I think he's my redraft choice. I think Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb's the long play for me. He's the dynasty guy. Uh, I know you love Nick Chubb as well. And I just think with Kareem Hunt there and having a role this season, he wasn't going to be my redraft choice, Nick Chubb. Um, He's going to be the dynasty choice because if Kareem Hunt is not there after this season, Nick Chubb has shown in the first half of last season that he can be a good pass catcher. And we know he is just all world when, when he's running the ball. So Nick Chubb's the dynasty choice. And then Josh Jacobs is the fade just because I wasn't going to take him for redraft because I'm a little bit questionable about that target share obviously last year it sucked and we really want to see that unlocked for him but the re-signing of Jalen Richard and the drafting of Lynn Bowden was a little bit uh 
little bit telling there in that we may not be able to bank on them unlocking that because of the other pieces around there. And I think I wasn't going to choose Josh Jacobs for the dynasty play because I like Nick Chubb a lot more than Josh Jacobs for dynasty. So that's kind of where I am sitting. So Ty, Derek Henry, Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, Dino Redraft or Fade. Yeah, so I'll get out of the way. Derrick Henry will be my fade. Nick Chubb's always my everything. Um, <laughs> who was who did my uh, 98 degrees? Uh, totally over. I don't know if they're overrated or underrated, but they're a boy band. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Who's the lead? Who was the lead guy in that one? Uh, they're no O Town or Soul Decision, but they're like. You know, <laughs> it was Nick Lachey, obviously. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Be a, yeah. Good for him. Yeah. So. <clears throat> <clears throat> Some boy so Derrick Henry, <laughs> Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs. Uh, so I faded Derrick Henry. This is a weird one because I'll have to go. Actually, you know what? I guess I have to go Derrick Henry and redraft and fade Josh Jacobs because I'm okay. so high on Nick Chubb and all Fainsies. formats. So, Der- so Derrick Henry is. <laughs> Sorry. So I do have him as a top 10 running back and redraft. He's my running back like 15 or so in Dynasty, though. It's just mm-hmm. uh, somebody I don't look at a lot in, in startups. Nick Chubb is my running back. Uh, he's a top 10 running back in all formats for me. And. I almost want him over Derrick Henry in all formats. Everything Derrick Henry gives you, Nick Chubb does too. He's just an unbridled superstar, in my opinion. And redrafting rankings certainly lend to Kareem Hunt's presence for Nick Chubb and his possible league-winning upside in that offense, Kareem Hunt. Uh, But in the long term, as a talent, Nick Chubb is the man top five in the NFL. And dead serious, the broken tackles, the big plays, the yards after contact, that is Nick Chubb's jam. And unlike Derrick Henry, he doesn't need to be at full speed or in the fourth quarter to, to pull it off. And then, you know, Josh Jacobs, you mentioned it. He's the poor bastard whose team re-signed Jalen Richard. They drafted Lynn Bowden and smashed it home that'll be used as a running back predominantly. And they also have breakout wide receiver Hunter Renfo, super stud Darren Waller. And because of who and what their quarterback Derek Carr is, uh, Henry Ruggs has to factor in here too when it comes to yards after the catch, short average depth of targets, mm-hmm. everything just fighting against them. And all those, all these players, they'll be used close to the line of scrimmage, all those players in Oakland. It really are in Las Vegas. And all of them put a huge cap on Josh Jacobs' fantasy upside. I think Josh Jacobs is a running back one in Dynasty still, just on that cusp. But even in startups, I'm probably low on him as my running back 11. Uh, running back 14 and redraft might be low too for Josh Jacobs. And he likely ends up landing in that running back dead zone. So I won't have a lot of them. But mm-hmm. I still have a lot of interest in Jacobs if I can land him. If I can land like a pass catcher in, running, in round one, you know, if I have a Kamara or something like that on my yeah. roster and Josh Jacobs falls to me, that's when he becomes very interesting. But... I think it's really cool. I wanted to put these guys together because there's such a theme here. They're all elite tackle breakers when it comes to Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, and Josh Jacobs. They're just elite in that tackle breaking department. And uh, they all do that thing where they put up the yards after contact as well. And uh, that, that, that equates to big plays. Mm-hmm. I think they all have question marks as far as target volume. So uh, definitely a great group to to put together there. Uh, I actually have Josh Jacobs in Dynasty at running back 12. And in redraft, I have him at running back 13. And then Derrick Henry is kind of right around there as well. So, so all these guys are pretty close. Uh, and uh, I think Nick Chubb is the clear-cut winner as far as the upside department. So uh, next group, Ty, it's got one of your boo-boos in there. <laughs> Sorry, that was weird. 
just really quick i think that was perfect okay. that you said that i just i just want to hop on that group really quick like uh yeah, yeah. the, the derrick henry chubb like that's what i was saying about outliers like every year statistically only one or two guys who doesn't get 40 catches doesn't get 60 targets whatever you want to look at for running back ones in fantasy that's why these guys end up being outliers and usually only one or two of them statistically will finish as a running back one so it's just disheartening to look at how talented those three guys are and know that only one or two of them probably finish as a running back one Totally. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Derek Henry. And I like the, Aaron you know, Jones. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's your boo-boo. So I guess uh, that's a good way to get into this next group. The next group, you know, there's a lot of questions about these guys as well. Um, some long-term future questions, some usage, usage questions. Uh, so obviously Aaron Jones is one of them. Old Kenny Drake in Arizona is another one. And Austin Eckler in Los Angeles is the third. So Aaron Jones, Kenyon Drake, Austin Eckler. Ty, where are you at with those three? Okay, I might work through this one a little slower because this one was probably the toughest for me, I'd say. I mean, yeah. Aaron Jones, he's going to be my dynasty guy. I'm standing behind this guy and it has nothing to do with all my shares in dynasty of him. No <laughs> bias here whatsoever. But he, he rounds out my running back ones uh, grouping for redraft right now as well. He's my running back 12. Also, I'm as my running back 12 in Dynasty. So he's a polarizing guy because of his contract status, and he really walks that fine line at the position that is so devalued. Uh, the writing seems to be on the wall so far as the Packers drafting A.J. Dillon. But with all the going-ons in Green Bay, Lafleur, uh, <laughs> everything is pointing towards the run game. And I think Aaron Jones is the greatest. And I think for Dynasty, the worry – the, you know, the concerns everybody has, it might be going too far. Uh, he may not have the same draft capital or the same standing with his team compared to the Mixons or Dalvin Cooks of the world, but he's been just as successful as those guys for fantasy owners. And, you know, by just, I mean way more successful than those guys. <laughs> Top five running backs in PPR fantasy points per touch over the last three years since he came into the league. I mentioned Austin Eckler. I mentioned number two was Alvin Kamara. Number three is Christian McCaffrey. Number four is Aaron Jones. He's been unbelievably efficient and on a per carry basis per uh like on a per touch basis sorry uh for fantasy he's been top six across the board since coming into the league and my favorite part about aaron jones is he puts up those ultra big weeks he stung a couple times last year but he also won you the week several times he actually had two of the top six performances by a running back in fantasy last year and then let's go to Kenyon Drake because I think that was my toughest decision because these two guys I think can really blow up you know what I mean he's my mm. guy for redraft I picked, which means I'm fading uh, Austin Eckler, which really hurts. But I think the theme of this group, in my opinion, they could all end up as that league winner this season. Uh, and none of them need 300 touches to do it. AKA, these are the running backs we hammer every year in the second round. Uh, we've talked a lot about the team. I think the big question is how robust will the usage be for Kenyon Drake, the snap share, the market share in the passing game. I have high hopes for playing time. I mean, Kenyon Drake played almost 80% of the, uh, of the snaps and in his half season with Arizona last year, in the six games, both he and DJ played. DJ uh, David Johnson averaged just over 25% of the snaps, almost 80% of the snaps. Very hard to repeat. But mm -hmm. I also wanted to mention David Johnson because he played 77% of the snaps weeks one to six. And one encouraging takeaway is that Drake has done – he's just always done great in fantasy so long as he's gotten any volume whatsoever. He has seen – 10 plus carries in a game just 19 times in his career, exactly one third of his career games in the NFL. In those 19 games, just 10 carries in a game, Kenny Drake's averaged over 17 and a half points per game in PPR. So, you know, it's it's pretty impressive what he's been able to do. Uh, do you think Kenny Drake might be one of the league winners this year because we find him in that back half of the second round? Or where, where do you stand on these guys? 
Yeah, I think this was another really good group. Like you said, a really tough one to choose. Um, lots of lots of different questions throughout, but lots of talent throughout as well. Um, so I guess you you uh, kicked it to me off of Kenyon Drake there. So I'll just talk about him. I think he can be that league winner because you said the 80% snaps is pretty hard to bank on. I think in this offense, especially with the addition of Nuke Hopkins and them trying to improve that offensive line, Kyler progressing just as a starting quarterback in that Cliff Kingsbury offense. I think he doesn't necessarily need that 80% to be super, super efficient. And we know he can pop off a big play at any time. So I love Kenyon Drake. He's my redraft choice. And I think if I knew he was going to be in Arizona long-term, he might've been my dynasty choice over Aaron Jones, just because that offense just, it looked so good last year. He's getting the targets. He's getting a good carry total. Um, and I think if I knew he was going to be there, I'd be all over that. But I just think if he moves on to another team, I could see him being on the pass catching end of a committee uh, just, just because he hasn't had those big blow up seasons yet. So obviously this season will be very telling for Kenyon Drake's future but I got him as the redraft choice. Uh, Aaron Jones, still my dynasty choice as well. I just think the sheer talent, like you said, uh, his his efficiency has been fantastic. His red zone efficiency has probably been even better than that per touch efficiency. Um, so so the touchdowns are great with Aaron Jones. And if he's getting the getting the ball inside the 20, he's going to be, be having that nose for the end zone. Um, yeah, e even if he moves on to, I think that talent is, is one that's going to be able to command a workload. Uh, and then Austin Eckler is my fate. I actually mentioned it on the British Ballers podcast that I went Went on so shout out to uh rich and kev on the british ballers go give them a look um but yeah austin eckler is we talked about the the outliers as far as rushing volume no passing volume i think out or austin eckler is one of those guys who who's a bit of an outlier as far as the receiving volume and no carry volume now he was that in the past he is projecting to have more carries this year so i can't necessarily say that for sure um but i mean one one or two running backs with under 200 carries usually make it into the top 12 each year he is the profile that can do that, but that's a little bit harder for me and the way I play for me to rely on. So Austin Eckler's the fade there as well. I'm, I'm kind of worried about the, the target total this year, especially if Tyrod gets extended starting time, uh, which I think he will. Uh, I'm worried about whether Tyrod's going to lean on Austin Eckler in the passing game or if he's going to lean on uh, just breaking out for a run and trying to get some yards himself. So that's why Austin Eckler is the fade for me. But yeah, that was a tough group, dude. Really tough group. Yeah. I have Eckler as a fade too. I think it's interesting because you mentioned Kenyon Drake and how much higher he would be. And uh, I think my dynasty rankings also reflect how high I'm on Aaron Jones because both Aaron Jones and Kenyon Drake are unemployed for 2021, right? Whereas Austin Eckler is under contract for multiple seasons. So, you know, it, sometimes that weighs into our decision making in, in dynasty, especially at the running back position that has so much turnover, so much volatility. And speaking of that, I think, you know, we are having some turnover and volatility in the sense of what a running back is, what an outlier is. And I think it's a very fine line between a James White and a Tariq Cohen and a completely unique running back the fantasy world has never really seen. And I think Austin Eckler is pretty close to that. And I think, you know, all the talk about the offense is why his ADP is suppressed. It's why he is a fade for me. Um, you know, they won't lead the league in running back targets this year. Tyrod and Justin Herbert both scale back our expectations, no doubt. But the fact the former running back head coach is showing confidence in Austin Eckler, meaning they let Melvin Gordon walk, drafted just Joshua Kelly. And I know mm -hmm. like a three-man running back by committee is what we should see in LA. But my point is Eckler is probably 
the easiest way to get fantasy points in the history of fantasy football ever. I mean, he's running back 12 across the past two seasons. He's played under 50% snaps. He doesn't get a lot of touches. And over those two years among running backs, he is number one in yards per outrun, number two in yards after the catch, number two in first down catches, number two in explosive passing plays. So, you know, and you mentioned like last year, he had 300 plus fantasy points on fewer than 600 rushing yards. That was the first time that's ever happened in the history Mm -hmm. of the NFL, but also leading the league in fantasy points per touch since entering the league, like I mentioned uh, earlier in the episodes. I just think it, he's a guy that you don't really need to get very many touches for, so I don't really worry about Austin Eckler. And if the hate goes too far, uh, I could see this group uh, kind of interchanging. But my whole point is all three of these guys, I think, should be uh, they should be pretty big targets in our fantasy drafts. And all these guys, the only reason they're not higher in our rankings when it comes to dynasty is they have uncertainty for 2021, mm-hmm. I think, or some uncertainty. And Eckler, we're pretty sure will be on a Chargers team with a stellar defense and a growing offense, possibly with a very dangerous rushing quarterback in front of them if Justin Herbert pans out. Um, so I, you know, I think this group is really awesome because they all present the ability to be league winners, but I think they also have uh sort of a lot of downside when it comes to how much you have to spend on them for dynasty, right? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I think a little bit pricey. And I think um, part of the part of the issue just with them being ranked a little bit differently is the influx of new talent as well. Like for Dynasty, I have the top three. I have Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire and J.K. Dobbins above all three of these guys for Dynasty. So I think they if you can catch a little value on them for people kind of thinking that route, I think they're going to pay off. But when you're starting to get up into like the top of the second round, I, I don't think I can really buy that quite yet for these guys um mid to back is where i'm starting to look at them and it also depends on where you went in the first round there as well so uh an interesting crew and a lot of uncertainty like you said but a lot of a lot of upside with those guys what about uh do you have your rankings up in front of you there trap i do are we going to look at dino or redraft i just want to know for dynasty do you have uh acres and deandre swift ahead of austin eckler i know any of I have Austin Eckler at 16, uh, not ahead of any of them. So I have Aaron Jones in Dynasty is my running back 13. Kenyon Drake is running back 14. And Austin Eckler is running back 16. So I got Akers at 19 for Dynasty and DeAndre Swift at 23. So I've got those two just a little bit behind. But that could definitely change depending on the contract situations for... Totally, for, uh, it's so Joe, hard, Jones yeah. Drake. Yeah, it's it's a really tricky one to decipher. And I... I think those are really tough decisions personally that I always struggle with in a, in a dynasty uh, startup draft. And um, so when you do your dynasty rankings, Trav, are you ranking them as if you're kind of drafting a startup team? Are they value based? Like, how do you address, how do you kind of attack your dynasty rankings? Like philosophically? Yeah. Kind of, kind of like you said, like who I would take ahead in a draft. Me too. Um, Yeah. I kind of do the same. So if I could just run mine really quick here, just so you know, I have Aaron Jones as my running back 12, Derrick Henry, J.K. Dobbins at 14, Cam Akers at 15, Kenyon Drake at 16, Austin Eckler at 17, and then DeAndre Swift. So I have them like really tightly packed there. Mm-hmm. And I really, I'm not sure if I wouldn't take Kenyon Drake or Austin Eckler over Cam Akers or Dobbins uh, just because of what I can expect in 2020. It's really interesting, right. those kind of debates you got to make. Mm-hmm. And it depends kind of what team you're tra- trying to build, right? Are you trying to win now? Or are you or trying who to who you a... took in the first? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That That's really big is, is who you took in the first round. But definitely an interesting crew. You're higher on acres than I thought you would be, actually. Yeah, stupid McVeigh. 
No, man, I can so see good. it actually. I can see it. When I was looking through the show sheet here um, and kind of peeping the Rams offense, I think, you know, there's mega opportunity for them. So I, I don't mind it. Yeah. And you know me, like I'll, I'll, I'll whine and bitch and moan and then I'll just sneak them up my rankings. As it, yeah. As it <laughs> then you'll snipe them in a draft right after pissing and moaning about them. <laughs> and I'll make sure I'll still make sure I got Daryl Henderson on that team. I yeah. think it's still a team yeah. that um, I'm, I'm interested in multiple multiple running backs maybe totally man i like i like that backing up uh, cam makers with daryl henderson just in case so speaking of backups let's talk about some guys <laughs> who could be backups in two years i'm telling you the forgotten uh do you ever see that movie very strange movie starring julianne no. moore really oh. really weird stuff um but this is this is the poisonous apple group i think <laughs> uh you know the race to fade group for me so uh, I have Leonard Fournette, Todd Gurley, and Melvin Gordon. Who do you got? Who do you got? Who do you got? Who do you not? Yeah, well, we mentioned that the the last group, Jones, Drake, and Eckler, was a really hard group. Um, but I think that was a hard group in a positive way. Uh, this group, mm-hmm. Fournette, Gurley, and Gordon, was a hard group in like a like a greasy kind of way, you know? Yeah, uh, I'll, just, I'll phrase uh, it like this yeah. really quick, Trav. It's like a not process over results kind of group. Like whoever <laughs> blows up out of this group, I will not call it process over results yeah, really no i don't maybe girly <laughs> yeah yeah maybe maybe girly yeah i can see that so um to lay out the dino redraft and fade i've got Fournette as my fade uh todd Gurley as my redraft and melvin gordon as my dynasty choice uh yeah i got i got Fournette as the fade just because um I think if he goes elsewhere, which is looking like what the tea leaves are telling us ty i think he could end up on the banger side of a committee because I don't think anyone's going to be giving him the targets he got last year. I think that was kind of a one and done thing that we're going to see for Fournette. Um, Chris Thompson. Yeah. Chris Thompson for all six games that he's going to be there is going to be awesome. Uh, (laughs) Okay. We'll give him eight. We'll give him eight. I'm with with you. You know, I love Chris Thompson. I really like Chris Thompson. And you know, I love those players in redraft because we're going to draft guys late and drop them anyway. So may as well Mm -hmm. grab guys like him, Deshaun Jackson, your boy. Yeah. Yeah, no head to Sean Jackson. You see that? You see that? Um, <laughs> but yeah, Fournette's the fade for me. Gurley is the redraft choice. And this was kind of a gross one. Like I flip-flopped on these guys. Um, if Gurley had like a two or three-year deal in Atlanta, I'd probably go Gurley over Mel- Melvin Gordon, to be honest. But I don't know what the future is going to hold for Gurley. And I do think he is going to get an uptick in work in Atlanta in comparison to what he got overall volume in uh, LA last year. So I think Gurley's the redraft choice just because I think he could he could get 80 plus targets in that offense and i mean devonta freeman got 70 last year and 184 uh carries so i think that's probably like probably the most work i want to see todd Gurley get is maybe like 80 plus targets and then 180 to 200 carries if he's getting more i think that's going to be rough on the knee but that's that's why Gurley's my redraft choice uh for melvin gordon i just think the you know the the backfield in denver looks like it could clear up maybe as soon as training camp with the potential for maybe Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman to get traded or whatever. Obviously it's hard to bank on a trade, but it looks like somebody has got to go in that backfield to me. And I think with drew lock, not yet proving that he's somebody you're going to put uh, the team on his back yet. I still do think even with the wide receiver additions that they're going to try and lean on a run on the run game. Their offensive line was pretty good in, in the run game last year as well. So I think Melvin Gordon can still have a couple good years um, in Denver uh, with that offensive line and with his red zone prowess too. I think if he's getting getting the totes in the red zone, he's going to be able to convert with uh, with some tutties. 
Yeah, and I actually have this all exactly the same as you. Leonard Fournette's my fade. Todd Gurley redraft. Melvin Gordon for Dynasty. I thought it was actually really easy for me to yeah. to sort this one out, at least for for my personal feelings. And I think redraft it was a little difficult, and I think you could even make an argument for Fournette and redraft. Leonard Fournette and Gurley, they both have a chance to blow past their ADP. I totally admit that. I think actually Fournette might be more likely to do it. Like I would give him the best odds from this group to finish as a running back one. Gurley, though, in my opinion, he's the one who could really explode considering his ADP, and it's because of that mm-hmm. pass-catching work you mentioned for sure. Really, the fact that Fournette and Gurley land right on that like top 15 running back cusp for me really pisses me off. It's kind of alarming, to be honest, because these are running backs I usually avoid in fantasy, like the profile of players that they are. But I do subscribe to trying to get uh, you know multiple running backs inside your top 15 to start a, start a fantasy draft. Melvin Gordon, I have as my running back 20 in redraft, which is really weird. And he sort of marks the guy I'm willing to be wrong on this year, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Very low ownership in, in best ball. I'll have zero shares in home leagues uh, when I see how much. Uh, just because I, I didn't notice until now really how much lower I was on him. Uh, when I talk dynasty, though, these are guys in my rankings that really show how I attack startup drafts. And that's why I was asking you earlier about how you kind of attack your rankings, because mm-hmm. All of these guys are in between running backs 20 and 25 in my dynasty rankings. I doubt I'm like outrageously low on them, but if you look at my overall rankings, the running backs who are shoved way down because I'll be hammering the wide receiver in, in that range of uh, startup drafts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty close to you on dynasty as well. I have Melvin Gordon at 18 right now. I have Todd Gurley at 20 and Leonard Fournette at 21. So uh, yeah, I think we're pretty, pretty in line for those guys as far as dynasty goes. And uh, just, yeah, like I said, kind of a gross group to have to go through just because there's reasons to fade all three of these guys, in, in my opinion. Okay, so the let's go to three more guys here, and these are some more exciting guys. Nobody's really fading these players, but should they be in redraft? Should they be in dynasty? So I have J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, and before you say another rookie in your head, I actually threw Kareem Hunt in here. I like it. I like it. Uh, he's still a young running back, right? Kareem Hunt's going to be I- 20. 20- 25 in 2020 i think so still some youth and there. i think these guys have huge ceilings like i think these are guys who you know if yeah. you stab on them in redraft if you stab on them in dynasty especially these guys have big big ceilings yeah dude i think i think you know this is a really good group for me jk dobbins is the dynasty choice cam Akers was unfortunately the fade but that to me it was just because of how much i like kareem hunt who is my redraft choice i just couldn't put kareem hunt over jk dobbins on the dino scale just because i'm huge on jk dobbins i have dobbins at 11 in dynasty um and i think just for for him it's the the uh the upside that he has with Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson is going to draw a lot of attention. JK Dobbins is going to have volume after this year. He's going to have big playability and he's going to have touchdown upside and alongside an offense who is so committed to the run game because of the quarterback that they have. Uh, I don't think Mark Ingram is a long-term um long-term member of this roster, let's say. I think he's probably got one, maybe two years left. But if he's in there next year, I think Dobbins is probably going to be the featured guy. So I think I'm tempering expectations for Dobbins for this year because Ingram is going to be that guy. But Dobbins for the future is just just wheels up. He's just a hair behind that JT and Clyde tier for the rookies for me. Uh, so J.K. Dobbins is a dynasty choice. And then for fade, uh, I, I really like Cam Akers' situation, but he is the fade for me because I do like Kareem Hunt a lot. We have seen 
the Rams give a full workload to a running back, but we did see last year a muddy situation. So that was kind of the kicker for me. And then for Kareem Hunt, he's my redraft choice because I think he could be a top 15 running back in this Browns offense, even alongside Nick Chubb, because I think he's going to get better rushing volume than he got last year and he will be the primary pass catching back and we really hope that we see him in the slot this year so kareem hunt was my redraft choice but it was very close to him being a dynasty choice with jk dobbins so you still got your rankings up in front of you for redraft here and dynasty i want them both up okay yep absolutely do you have any of these guys as top 24 running backs in redraft Okay, Dobbins, Acres, and Hunt. Sorry, I just got to find the names here. Uh, yeah, Hunt is my 21. Uh, Acres and Dobbins are a little bit outside. No, I got Acres. Acres at 31, but that might be a little bit low. And I got Dobbins at 34, which I'm okay with. For yeah, redraft. so I have all these guys right at that RB2 cusp. I have one of them only inside my top 24 running backs. In Dynasty, I have all three of these guys as running back ones or twos. Actually, I have them all three as running back twos. So mm -hmm. do you have all three of these guys as top 24 in your dynasty rankings? Oh yeah, I got, like I said, I got JK Dobbins, the Dob Goblin at running back 11. Uh, I have Kareem Hunt at running back 17. I could potentially see that switching or changing with him going up a little bit, but not just yet. And then I have Cam Akers at 19 for dynasty. So yeah, all inside the top 24. And I think they all have top 12 upside. Totally. Me too. And I, I still think like, I love Kareem Hunt, love his talent, still don't love the situation for redraft or for dynasty because there's so much uncertainty heading into 2021, such a saturated running back market, such a strong 2021 draft class at the running back position. And, you know, I know we've been saying since this offseason started that Kareem Hunt, should he stay in Cleveland, will be used out of the slot, blah, blah, blah. Rashad Higgins, you know, all these things that kept happening, they, they're not adding any big slot wide receivers, but we also have to worry how often a slot wide receiver is actually in the formation when we think of all the 12 personnel coming mm -hmm. in in Cleveland. But yeah, I think it's a really interesting tier because they're all guys that have sort of that league winning potential when it comes to redraft, especially Cam Akers and Kareem Hunt. Uh, but J.K. Dobbins plays in such a dynamic offense that we saw what Mark Ingram was able to do in under 50% snaps. But yeah, we, we really like these guys for dynasty, especially Dobbins and Akers. Uh, mm -hmm. I want to go to a really, uh, sorry to blow past here, but I want to go to this really kind of, uh, cool, buddy. you know, a polarizing kind of group of guys here. So these guys all make their bread on the ground. They haven't had a ton of pass catching upside, but you know, they also have some very intriguing aspects to make them really big fantasy assets in the future. So Raheem Mostert, David Montgomery and Devin Singletary. How do you have those guys? Yeah. So this, for some reason, I just didn't like this one. There's just a little bit of a stench around it for me. I don't know exactly why. Um, not like super high on any of these guys as far as situation, but I do like the players. Um, Raheem Mostert was the redraft choice for me. I think that offense, we talked about it a little bit on the jam session. You actually opened with it on the jam session because we were talking a little bit of Niners to start. And I think this offense is set to run the ball a ton. The Devo injury is definitely going to help in them skewing that way a little bit and I think Raheem Mostert is looking like the lead back out of what's probably going to be another three-headed monster but he's going to be a fish an efficient head of a three-headed three-headed monster sorry that was really tough to say but um, he's uh i think raheem mostert's gonna have a lot of efficiency this year a lot of touchdown upside i think you mentioned that the, the niners were one of the teams who ran the most inside the 20 or inside the five i think you've said before uh so i really like the the thought of that for raheem mostert david montgomery was the dynasty choice for me and the reason for that is because we haven't seen 
the pass catching for him unlocked. I think we've both talked about how we don't like him if he's not getting that pass catching work, but I think he has a bit of a path for some pass catching to unlock. Tariq Cohen is in a contract year, and I think going forward into 2021, if they don't add a, a scat back, I think David Montgomery could be in line for an increase as far as targets. But I think uh, with Devin Singletary, there's not a lot of running back pass catching baked into that offense. He did get a decent target total last year, but I think I'm not going to project him for a whole lot more than what he did have last year. And then, of course, Zach Moss has come in to take some of that first and second down work. So Devin Singletary is the fade with David Montgomery being the dynasty choice and Raheem Mostert being the uh, the uh, redraft choice. Like you said, not a lot of pass catching in this group, but I think of the three, David Montgomery has the easiest path for some pass catching to be in, unlocked because there is targets that are going to be going to a running back in that offense. It just so far hasn't been him. Yeah, I, I love how you frame that. I think David Montgomery is by far the only one who I could see having the range of outcomes where he is an elite pass catcher at the NFL level. I think he is an extremely good pass catcher. I think it's his best attribute, or at least his most fantasy relevant attribute coming out of college, even more so than the broken tackles because of the yards after contact that I was talking about. But I think you mentioned what I wanted to mention there is that Tariq Cohen is a free agent. And if he is not there in 2021, if they do not add a third down pass catcher, uh, David Montgomery has a lot of uh, ceiling when it comes to dynasty. Raheem Mostert, I think I'll take him in redraft just because of the price. I think I have Devin Singletary, you know, three or four spots ahead of him. But uh, I, I really like Devin Singletary's talent. I like him on the ground. I just think Zach Boss coming in really hurts his upside when it comes to what role he's going to play what uh, mm -hmm. Brandon Bean said in the press conference really scares the hell out of me if I'm a Devin Singletary owner uh, I think the upside is there in the sense where this offense could really run on all cylinders Josh Allen could not be the best rushing touchdown scoring quarterback since Cam Newton it's possible that he isn't that player you know what I mean it's not mm -hmm. outside of you know you know what I'm saying so I think uh, both Devin Singletary and David Montgomery have a lot of potential as a talent uh, yeah. it just entirely depends how David Montgomery's used and then Devin Singletary, I think it has a lot to do with Zach Moss's health, how good that offense is in Buffalo. And then Raheem Mostert, I think, is the guy I'll take in redraft, though, just because, you know, he could start hot, stay hot, be hot for fantasy. Yeah. And I think we'll talk a lot more unsettled backfields, and we're really yeah. going to dive in in the, in the near future into the San Francisco backfield. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's save a lot of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's I a think, lot to go uh, through there. For sure. For sure. And I, it, you know, if we knew Raheem Mostert was going to be the long-term answer there, then we might maybe want to talk about him for, for dynasty. But I think a, he's, I think he's 28 years old, so he's, he's getting up there and Sean or Kyle Shanahan has shown that he's going to churn through these running backs. If he doesn't necessarily have an elite option, which he hasn't had yet in San Francisco, which is why I think he's gone with kind of a bevy of guys. But I think if, you know, in the draft next year, if they were to be able to get one of those top tier guys, I think that we might be able to see that volume go a little bit more to one person. So, yeah, that was an interesting group because there is, you know, some good talent there, but some some interesting situations. So uh, why don't we get on to this next group of running backs, Ty? Let's do it. Yeah, so this one's... Uh, uh, an interesting group, two pass catchers and a, uh, an only running running back essentially. So we got yeah. Tariq, Tariq Cohen and James White who really offer that target volume, uh, and that upside in PPR leagues. And then Sony Michelle, who, um, I've said before that I think he could potentially have a big touchdown year with them relying on the run game, but obviously he has to stay healthy with that knee looking, looking bad. So why don't you let me know where you got these three at Ty? 
Well, I'll start with Sony Michelle. I think he could be top five in goal line carries and red zone carries and still not finish as a running back one. I think that <laughs> whole spike touchdown season is kind of a myth. I mean, we could go back to LeGarrette Blunt, which is the season we're all chasing in 2016. He had, what, 18, 19 rushing touchdowns that year. And I think he was barely a top 10 running back for fantasy mm-hmm. that season. It's incredible. And, uh, you know, even you could go back to the last year that we saw no Tom Brady for a full season, uh, whatever season that was with Matt Castle. But all I remember is uh, – What's his face? The pass catching running back ended up having a better season than uh, than Sammy Morris, who had far more touches that year. So starting <laughs> oh, Michelle is still my fade. Uh, well, it's only I can't believe I can't remember uh, what's his face. Uh, um, um, me nuts. Kevin Falk. Kevin, Kevin Falk. Falk. That's right. Yeah, yeah, he's the one who ended up scoring the highest, and I think James White is far more locked into that role than Kevin White. Uh, Kevin Falk was at the time. And it, the, the one thing is James White, Tariq Cohen, I put on this list because all three of these guys are really close in my dynasty rankings. They're all just inside my top three running backs, you know, top 36. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they all are guys that I'm not really targeting in the top 36 in dynasty. I have none of them in my top 36, I don't think. Um, and I think there's arbitrage plays on these guys. So Sony Michelle, I'm definitely grabbing Damian Harris. Uh, instead mm-hmm. of Sony Michelle, James White, I'll make sure I'm grabbing a JJ Taylor at the end of uh, end of my drafts when it comes to dynasty. So I think there's a lot of ways to attack this. And then I look at Tariq Cohen, who's actually a player I'm targeting and redraft, mm-hmm. but I'm expecting Chicago to be, you know, financially incapable of carrying a luxury like Tariq Cohen is uh, in some aspects when you have a David Montgomery on your roster. So I have no idea what's going to happen with Tariq Cohen. I think he has a very wide range of outcomes in Dynasty. Say he gets on a, a San Francisco 49ers team, like, holy fuck, man, give me Tariq Cohen. But mm-hmm. should he be on, you know, the the, the Chicago, uh, or, you know, let's say he replaces Kareem Hunt in Cleveland and just mm-hmm. we all cry, you know. Yeah. So I, I think this is a really uh, polarizing group. But I am targeting players in specific formats, in specific spots, and I'm also adding arbitrage plays mm-hmm. uh, alongside of them. So I think it's a fun group to go through, but it's also a group that can uh, get you in trouble in redraft, I think, or in mm-hmm. dynasty, sorry. Yeah, for sure. If you think you're going to be able to lean on one of them, I definitely think it could get you in trouble. Um, I actually have Tariq Cohen as the dynasty play. I have Sony as the fade and I have uh, James White as the redraft. Uh, So Tariq Cohen, the dynasty, like Tariq Cohen and James White are very similar, like profile of players they're not going to be getting carries they're going to be getting targets and i think the kicker for me with those two guys was the age i think Tariq cohen if he moves on after this season is going to go somewhere and we know that that's his role much like james white but we know that Tariq Cohen's younger. Uh, he's probably a little bit more electric as well. So I really like if, if he gets into a good situation where he's going to get some targets, I think definitely Tariq Cohen could pay off his dynasty ADP right now. James White is the redraft choice. And this one was pretty close because it, it really depends on what you think of the of the Patriots offense and how these guys are going to be used. So I, I said that Sony could have a good year, but let me just be clear that Sony having a good year is him maybe sneaking in the top 24. It's not like he's going to be moving up into the top 12 or anything like that. But I do think that uh, with McDaniels there, James White's targets are going to be pretty solid. So I'm going to go James White just for that safety and the fact that I know exactly how he's going to be used and that he will be efficient with his targets. Whereas Sony obviously could shit the bed on all those red zone targets as well as he could could just be hurt and not play. So uh, yeah, James White was the redraft choice and Sony was the fade for me. Yeah, and I, I actually have it exactly the same. So uh, let's go to this next group here. And these might be some arbitrage plays on Tariq Cohen and James White. 
So this next group is a group of pass catchers who are going in the double-digit rounds of fantasy drafts right now, and I think they're going to start moving up as we get into draft season. So I have Duke Johnson, uh, the DJ number two in Houston. We have Naheem Hines, and we have Chris Thompson, the newest member of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, so um, I, I realized that I couldn't go all fade on this one, so I did make some selections here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, Duke Johnson is the redraft choice for me. Naheem Hines is the dynasty choice for me. And Chris Thompson is the fade for me. And it was pretty tricky because we do love Duke Johnson. But uh, I think with uh, with his age, I, I'm just, I had to go with Naheem Hines over him. And I think Duke Johnson in redraft could have a path because David Johnson has shown a propensity to get injured at times. Uh, he's going to be running it up the gut like 250 times this year if he stays healthy. So he's, he's going to be susceptible to injuries, obviously, David Johnson. So I think Duke Johnson could be one of the those guys who could come into a role mid to late season and be a really nice piece for rosters. Uh, Naheem Hines is the dynasty play. And this was a really tricky one because I have had some love for Naheem Hines before. And I do have a lot of love for Jonathan Taylor. And I think he can command some of those targets, but there is a world where he doesn't command those targets in Indy. And Naheem Hines is going to be the beneficiary of those targets. So I think Naheem Hines had to be the dynasty play for me. And Chris Thompson, although I love him, I think he's a great pass catcher. And if he's used properly, uh, I think he could be good. But I think he, I, I have a hard time banking on him as being somebody who's going to stay some semblance of healthy. So I got to fade Chris Thompson, but uh, curious to see where you sit on these guys because uh, I know you're a big fan of Duke. So I'm interested to see where you got him at. Yeah, these guys are all uh, kind of targets in fantasy for me. I think uh, they're kind of zero RB targets and all that good stuff. Duke Johnson's my easy choice for Dynasty because, you know, Naheem Hines and Chris Thompson, they're kind of third down backs through and through. They don't really have, uh, like, even a satellite back plus kind of label attached to them. Uh, Duke Johnson does, and I think he is uh, – uh, there's a scenario that plays out where, like you said, David Johnson uh, fails and – fails spectacularly when it comes to rushing the ball in particular. I think that that could happen. And if, in which case, if Duke Johnson can finally get in there, finally get some carries, finally uh, show off what he's capable of, uh, maybe he can be back in Houston as their lead back next year. Whereas Naeem Hines, I think uh, a lot of his hotness is tied to the fact that Frank Wright likes to throw the ball to the running back position. Phillip Rivers loves to throw the ball to the running back position. And I do like Naeem Hines. I just think he is very one-dimensional. Uh, I think my re so I think he'll be my fade, Naeem Hines, by the way. I think Chris okay. Thompson will be my redraft. And Chris nice. Thompson is a guy that I will continue to keep moving up my boards. And I've actually just been scooping up shares left and right as my running back five and six and best ball is just crazy. Uh, you know, Leonard Fournette had a hundred targets last year, guys. Like that's mm -hmm. all I really need to say. He's reunited with uh, Gruden. You know, Chris Thompson's going to be used very efficiently. He's going to give you some blow up weeks. It's simple as that. And he's also going to give you some good floor weeks. I think if you're uh, a zero RB team, who's waiting on some of those later uh, late mid season payoff running backs that, that we have at the back end of our running back group. Yeah, I like it. I like it for sure. The one, the one concern I have about Chris Thompson is just, um, A, I don't think he's going to be, you know, used out of the slot at all because LaVisca and DD Westbrook are going to probably have that on lock. And then Visca, I think, could maybe vulture a little bit of that third down passing work, but it remains to be seen. And we know that Chris Thompson is efficient in that facet of the game. And Jay Gruden did have him in Washington and brought him over. So that says something to me as well. So I think uh, I really like that play as like a running back five, six on the roster that could produce some really good PPR value.
Yeah, and if D.D. Westbrook and Chris Conley don't combine for like 200 targets, you know that. Like, I just think a lot of the ancillary pieces in the Jaguars will have a lot to do with it. I think early mm-hmm. season, if Chris Thompson's rolling through training camp, I think uh, Gruden loves him. And I for love sure. him. I love watching Chris Thompson. Yeah, he's exciting to watch for sure. He gets he gets it out of the backfield and he can definitely make it happen. Uh, there was that one year a few years ago where he was just lighting it up. I think he was probably like top 15 running back through the first eight games. And then, of course, he got hurt, which was pretty shitty there but uh it's going to be an interesting target distribution in jacksonville this year with uh with old gardner the hardener at the helm absolutely go gardner Mm-hmm. okay ty we're gonna move into the wide receiver crew uh we got a few groups here um some some pretty stellar players we're gonna start off right at the top we are gonna go Devonte adams of the packers Julio, and then we're going to talk about Nuke Hopkins, the newly minted wide receiver one in Arizona. So hit me with what you got on those three. Yeah, so I got Devontae Adams as my redraft. I have Julio as my fade, unfortunately, and Nuke Hopkins as my dynasty guy. I have all of these guys as top six wide receivers in redraft, though. And then I think there's a big separation here with Julio when it comes to dynasty. Mm -hmm. So do you have Julio as your fade? I do not. I do not. Nice. I was hoping you wouldn't. So, so how do you, yeah, just lay them out for me then. How do you have them? Yeah, I got Adams as the fade. I've got Julio as the redraft and I've got Nuke as the dynasty. I think the dynasty choice in this one was probably the easiest one with Nuke being attached to Kyler, being attached to Cliff, being all world. Uh, I think Nuke was the easy choice as the dynasty guy. Julio for redraft for me is just because we talked a little bit previously about all the targets that are available um, and use those how you will. But I think Julio's volume is secure at like 150 to 180 targets potentially. Uh, And we know he's going to give you those 1400 yards. So I think he's, you know, he's got easily top three in, in, his probable outcome for me. Devonte Adams for me was the fade because I like Julio more for redraft this year. Uh, and I had to have nuke as the dynasty pick. So Adams was the fade for me just because of the future. I think he could have a good year in 2020. We talked on a previous episode. In fact, I think he was the namesake of that episode that Devonte Adams is going to be a target funnel in, uh, in green Bay. And obviously with them bringing in no wide receivers in the draft, that's going to hold true. Devin Funches does not scare me. Um, but I think for the future, you know, if Jordan Love is his quarterback, I don't think that's nearly as good for him as Aaron Rodgers, who kind of zones in on his guy that he likes. And Devontae Adams is that. So I think there's going to be some change coming for Devontae Adams. I also think the drafting of AJ Dillon kind of tells me that they might, uh, LaFleur and company might lean a little bit more run heavy going forward because uh, he kind of looks like he's trying to build Titans north or wherever green bay is so uh, i think that's a little bit sketchy for Devonte adams long term and like i said in the short term i like julio's 2020 better than Devonte adams who i still really like for 2020 so uh it's going to be an interesting group to see shake out where you got him at yeah i, I got Devonte adams redraft julio is my fade nuke as my dynasty play i right, think it's yeah. an interesting argument because uh Devonte adams like they're all top six for me in redraft i think uh it's safety versus ceiling like Devonte Adams and Julio are giving you uh, a lot of safety uh, respectively. I mean that like I think Devonte Adams is my wide receiver three and my wide receiver four in dynasty. I think he's very safe. Uh, I've kind of waxed and waned on him, but actually the irony is the more that they've shown that they want to run the ball, the more I've really uh, pushed Devonte Adams back up because they just have nobody else to go to in my opinion. 
Uh, I also, I'm not on the whole uh, Jay Sternberger. I thought, like, I might take no. Robert Tanya. I might take Robert Tanyan over him if I had to in like a FFBC best ball as my fourth tight end. But I think Devonte Adams, like him and Aaron Rodgers, that connection is real. And I think Devonte Adams is kind of a special talent when it comes to putting up pretty much 20 points per game in mm-hmm. fantasy. And there's not a lot of guys who do that. Whereas Julio Jones, we know we're not getting that spike touchdown season. Yeah. We know uh, we have to rely heavily on super volume and, and, and he can, he can facilitate that. But I think uh, Devonte Adams just does it a little easier. Uh, I, I don't know. I think that's a really good debate is for sure. Devontae Adams against Julio and redraft. But I think New Hopkins is the the unquestioned guy who can have that ceiling. I think uh, him having that wide receiver one overall season is in the range of outcomes where I'm not sure if it even is for Devontae Adams or Julio. I think it is for Devontae Adams, actually. Maybe that's why I slightly have Devontae over Julio. But all three of those guys are pretty close, except for Julio is somebody I'm fading in, uh, in Dynasty Leagues. I think mm-hmm. just a bit. But I think everybody is, so that's a slippery slope in itself. But when it comes to startup drafts, I think Julio Jones is somebody – who I'd uh, I'd have yeah. you know a good five maybe not top ten even for uh, for, sure. for wide receivers and Nuke Hopkins and Devonte Adams are those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of this next group? Because this next group I have are players who I'm a lot higher on in dynasty I would say than I am in redraft maybe, but they're also a lot of slot wide receivers who are a little bit safer. So I have DJ mm-hmm. Moore, Cooper Cup, and Juju Smith Schuster. How do you have those guys? This one was really hard, man. This much like one of those running back. Well, I can't remember which one it was, but earlier one of the running back ones was really, really hard because we liked all three players. This is just it. Like I think DJ Moore is going to be awesome in that Matt rule offense and Cooper cup. I love Cooper cup and Juju's so young and he's just shown so much after the catch and just great talent. Uh, this is a hard one. So I had to go DJ Moore for dynasty, the attachment to that big long contract for Matt rule. I think Teddy Bridgewater plays well into his skill set as kind of a lower A dot after the catch player. So DJ Moore was the dynasty choice. And then Cooper Cup was the redraft choice. A little piece of that was because Cooper Cup is a little bit older. He's probably, I think he's going to be 27 by the time this season's over. So I went Cooper Cup for redraft because I think he's going to. Yeah, and I think he's going to have an explosion this year. I think he's used so heavily in the red zone, and Jared Goff just loves him so much as that safety blanket. I think Cooper Cup's going to have a massive 2020, uh, and so that's why I went him for redraft and DJ Moore for dynasty. Juju as the fade just feels wrong to say, right? Juju, like he's not even going to be 23 by the time the season starts, I think, or maybe just 23. Um, Like I said, he's shown out after the catch. You've laid out in previous pods just how good Juju Juju is after the catch. And and honestly, I can say it's not you being in a Steelers homer. It's just because Juju is that fantastic. But the reason I had to fade him is just because I think there's going to be some quarterback uncertainty in Pittsburgh. His contract, I mean, he there's rumors that he could be elsewhere at the end of the season, which would be pretty wild. But um, yeah, it's just a little bit of uncertainty for Juju's future. But if I knew where Juju is going to be for the next couple of years, I think Juju would probably be the dynasty choice for me. Um, where do you have these guys sitting? Because I think it's all really close. I think they all have like amazing, amazing potential. Yeah, I have it the same as you. I'll put it this way. I have DJ Moore uh, as somebody I have a lot more conviction in maybe both formats. Like I put Cooper Cup as my redraft and DJ Moore as my dynasty. I did that so I could, you know, take DJ Moore as my dynasty Mm -hmm. wide receiver because I have him as a top seven wide receiver. I have him as my wide receiver seven in, in dynasty. And I don't have Cooper Cup or Juju Smith-Schuster as a wide receiver one in Dynasty. I have them outside the top 12. Uh, Cooper Cup, uh, 
you know, the, the yards after the catch is undeniable. He leads the NFL in wide receiver yards after the catch per reception over the last two years. And, you know, I think he's attached to that offense and he's just a freakish combination of a guy who has spectacular chemistry and rapport with this quarterback and in a very good system that is schemed up and kind of tailored to, to his, uh, to what he does well. And I just think that the touchdown upside is hard to come by for wide receivers these days. And Cooper mm-hmm. cup is, uh, definitely on a different stratosphere than DJ Moore in that aspect. So I think there's two ways that DJ Moore and Cooper cup both separate from Juju Smith Schuster. So I don't think it's incorrect to have Juju as a fade. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I've made a huge issue about Juju Smith Schuster and uh, his yards after the catch, but I've also, you know, throughout this off season kind of done some research, or at least I've read a lot of other people's research uh, where there's kind of a threshold. If you're getting more than 40% of your yards after the, uh, if you're getting more than 40% of your receiving yards after the catch, it's mm-hmm. kind of a, a separation between wide receiver ones and twos. You just don't see the Julio Jones as the Devonte, Ad, uh, the new Hopkins. These guys who are super studs, they don't put up very many uh, yards after the catch because they're seeing their targets down the field and they're seeing mm-hmm. very, uh, you know, they're seeing high leverage volume. So I just think uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is somebody that I think is going to be a very safe play no matter who the quarterback is, whether it's Ben Roethlisberger, who also is underrated just like Jared Goff when it comes to how much he relies on his offense and yards after the catch from his wide receivers. But I think all these guys have really good floors built into them. And you mentioned it, they're just they're all in this group because they excel after the catch. DJ Moore kind of has that ground floor effect when it comes to what we can expect going forward in Carolina with Joe Brady, with Matt rule. We really want to be attached to that team. And then mm-hmm. Cooper cup, as long as, you know, it is his contract year. So as long as he is back with Jared, uh, with Jared Goff, and you know, he can be another guy that we're making fun of how much they have tied up in these, you know, three or four guys while mm-hmm. they're still paying Brandon cooks and Todd Gurley. So I think <laughs> Cooper cup is the guy that people don't want to love, but we should, I know there's mm-hmm. a lot of reasons he, you know, he didn't have a lot of fanfare coming out of college. He's slow. He's all these things. Uh, but he still is one of the guys that we're going to project to score the most touchdowns in 2020. And he's got one of the best reports and sees red zone work. And uh, he's been top 10 in red zone volume since coming into the league. So I think DJ Moore, Cooper cup, they just separate in, in, in different ways. I think DJ Moore might be the best wide receiver after the catch in the next like five years going forward. And Juju Smith Schuster might be the second best, but it's mm-hmm. still second best behind DJ Moore. Yeah. I think that was well put dude. Uh, you mind if I fly into this next, this next crew? Yeah, I love this next one. Yeah, this is an interesting conversation. Um, Odell Beckham, Amari Cooper, and Mike Evans, uh, all guys who were kind of upper upper tier guys. They probably moved into the the maybe the third tier of wide receivers now. Um, but I think I'm 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 really curious to see where you have these guys, Ty. So why don't you fire away? Okay, so I have Odell Beckham, Amari Cooper. I didn't write it down here actually. So let's do. Let's go Amari Cooper for redraft. Let's go Odell Beckham for dynasty and Mike Evans will be my fade, which I kind of feel bad about because for dynasty, I still really like Mike Evans. Uh, I think I'm a little bit higher than consensus on all three of these guys for, uh, for, for dynasty. I have, um, actually I want to, I'll just ask you. So I gave my answers there. Odell's my dynasty. Amari Cooper's my redraft. Mike Evans is my fade. Do you have all these guys as wide receiver ones in both for in redraft and dynasty? I do not. Okay, so I'm going to lay it out for you here. So in Dynasty, I have Odell at 10. I have Amari at 12. And I have Mike Evans at 15. And then for Redraft, I have, as we go down the list here, I have Amari at 12, Evans at 13, 
And where the hell's Odell? Odell. Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, I, I've not seen him on the list here, but he's probably he'd probably be right in that right in that 12, 13 range. Sorry, I don't I don't know why he's not on my rankings list here. It's, that's odd. Um, but yeah, so as, as far as the selection, sorry, I've got Odell as my dynasty guy. Uh, Amari Cooper as my redraft guy and Mike Evans as the fade. So to start with Mike Evans, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I really like Mike Evans. I don't I don't necessarily think the fade is deserved, but I think the other two offer a more versatile, um, a versatile skill set and a more versatile um, projected usage in an offense. So I think Mike Evans, you know, I, I, I worry a little bit about the Brady acquisition for Mike Evans because I think Brady's going to try and get the ball out quick uh, and that plays into Chris Godwin, maybe the tight ends and potentially the running backs and not as much to Mike Evans. So that's kind of why I have Evans as a fade. Cooper's the redraft one because it's just wheels up for that Dallas offense. And I think uh, with that contract, they just signed him to and then drafting CD lamb. They're going to want to get the most they can out of Amari Cooper before they try and cut bait on that contract with CD coming up behind him. And then Odell's the dynasty one because he's just an all world talent. I think he is going to continue to solidify himself as the main target in Cleveland. And I think another year uh, can kind of show that. And I think we might be able to see some of that peak Odell that we saw in his early career as a giant. Yeah. So uh, I have it as Odell dynasty, Amari redraft, Mike Evans fade, Mike Evans being the fade. I just want to say I have all these guys as top 14 wide receivers in all formats. So I'm pretty high on all these guys. Uh, Odell, I think is the one that I think separates a little bit from the other two. I think Odell has a little more safety. And if he does develop that chemistry and they, you know, don't have a horrible catch rate, all that stuff. If some of the stuff returns that we saw in blue for Odell Beckham in Cleveland, uh, he can separate by having that weekly floor built in. And he can also have that explosion, uh, uh, you know, being a top five wide receiver, Amari Cooper, and Mike Evans, I think I've in a very similar light. They're guys who are going to win you some weeks and they're going to fucking kill you some weeks. They're going to give you like literally five mm -hmm. points or less 20% of the time, which really sucks. But you got to think of how people can finish as top 12 wide receivers while screwing people 20% of the time. And that's because 80% of the time they're giving you those, those big blow up weeks. And mm -hmm. I think Amari Cooper and Mike Evans will both continue to do that for years to come. And I think I just have a lot more faith in Amari Cooper's offense, uh, how it's going to operate. You know what I mean? I don't know mm -hmm. what's going to happen in the long term in Tampa Bay, but I know that in Dallas, I have a lot of faith in Dak Prescott signing a long term deal. I have a lot of faith yeah. in Kellen Moore staying in Dallas and him and I think him and Mike McCarthy, man, I'm telling you, Mike, the new analytical Mike McCarthy, they're, they're going to make good, some man. magic together. Yeah. And I think uh, you look two years down the road, who knows what happens with Mike Gallup. I imagine Gallup ends up uh, walking in free agency because of what happens with contracts and maybe mm -hmm. Dallas has some, uh, some money issues at that point because of the Dak Prescott deal. So I think Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb could be the long-term options in that powerhouse pass heavy offense in Dallas. And then, uh, you know, these are all guys I think that should you be drafting them as your wide receiver one or wide receiver two on a dynasty team, I don't think you're going to regret it as long as you can build in some safety when it comes hmm. to Amari Cooper and Mike Evans. Yeah, I think Odell's probably the only one who I'd be comfortable with as the wide receiver one on a dynasty roster. So that's that's definitely interesting. Um, and I'm, I'm just checking it out right now, but I think there might be an out in that Amari Cooper contract. So it'll be interesting to see whether they essentially select Michael Gallup over Amari Cooper. Uh, depending on what Gallup's asking price is, I could potentially see them taking the out on Amari. Um, sorry, I'm just loading up. I think up that, that deal's going to uh, look spectacular in two years. 
Yeah, it, it definitely could, but I think they usually uh, do. Like those yeah. those wide receiver deals usually look a lot better. Like I, you know, when other people are making twenty three or twenty four, I think it's going to look pretty good. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, he's going to be making twenty two mil the next couple of years, and in twenty think of all the names that are coming up for there. sure. For sure. And in 2022, the the dead cap's only 6 million. So there is a bit of an out on that, but it'll be interesting to see what the production is with them having like the best trio of wide receivers in the NFL. Yeah. And we know Allen Robinson and Amari Cooper are still babies, right? Yeah, absolutely. Sneaky <laughs> young, sneaky young guys. So speaking of sneaky young and oh, some babies, like let's go. One. Yeah, I love it. So let's go DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin and AJ Brown. I like it, but I don't like it. Like I don't want I didn't it. even write it down because I didn't decide, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Looking at Me it. Me neither. All I put in my notes is this one's nasty. Um, <laughs> just just because I think at various points we have all expressed love for all three of these guys, uh, DK Terry Mack and AJ Brown. Okay, so let me just sit here. I don't have don't have it written down here. Let me think. Well, I'll I'll lay it out here. So, I have yeah, all these guys. Is. These guys are all top 16 wide receivers in my dynasty nice. ranks, just for context. So that's I I'm pretty like high on that. all these guys. Um, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown, I think are all super stud talents. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree with you. I think uh, it's tricky. I have them all top 24. Um, so I have DK a little bit farther back, and I might need to adjust that a little bit. I have Terry McLaurin. Yeah, if 20. anyone has any of those guys outside their top 24 in dynasty, yeah, you might yeah. be. Yeah, might be so, drafting too many Todd Gurley's and stuff. <laughs> Been guilty of you that. You know what I mean though? Right? That's I just like to like relate it, you know. That's why I'm always skipping that that kind of that running back uh, dead zone is because the DK Metcalfs, the Terry McLaurins, the AJ yeah. Browns, I want I want a few of these guys. Yeah, once you get into that fourth round is when you can start hammering these guys, I think. Um but yeah, I mean DK the only reason is just the uh the overarching overall target volume that I, that I think he sees, I think he might be the lower target piece alongside Tyler Lockett who might get the higher targets, but it's really hard to say like Russell Wilson's going to be super efficient regardless. So I think DK probably is one of those spiked weak guys. I think uh, Terry McLaurin and AJ Brown can be those more consistent guys. Um, for me, I'm going to go, okay, let me go Terry McLaurin for dynasty. AJ Brown for redraft. And unfortunately I'm going to fade DK just on what I said there about the, the potential volume that I'm not quite sure on. Uh, Terry McLaurin is going to be the dynasty play because I think he's just a very versatile asset and he showed really well on shitty quarterback play last year. So if they can get even like 10 to 15% better quarterback play, I think Terry McLaurin has a wicked ceiling and he's going to be a solid upper echelon wide receiver two for, for dynasty teams. Uh, AJ Brown's the redraft choice for me, just because I think this offense passing offense is going to be centered around him. Like it was in the last half of last year. So, uh, AJ Brown's the redraft choice for me. Cause I like, I like his outlook with Tannehill this year. Um, <clears throat> But I mean, I don't think we're going to say that we're 100% banking on Tannehill to have the numbers he did at the end of last year. So that's why AJ Brown wasn't the dynasty choice for me is because I could see a world where Tannehill, impl Tannehill implodes and they're looking for another quarterback as well. So where do you have these uh, these three young studs at these these stallions galloping? So I'm just thinking about, I guess I'll go AJ Brown dynasty. I'll go Terry McLaurin as my fade and I'll go DK Metcalf in redraft. So basically nice. I'm doing that because I have AJ Brown, the highest of these three in dynasty. But like I said, they are all within five spots of each other in my dynasty rankings uh, when it comes to the wide receiver position. 
and then for redraft, I just happen to have Terry McLaurin a little bit lower than these guys. All of them are top 22 wide receivers in redraft for me. Uh, DK Metcalf, what can I say? I think the guy is with, you know, maybe the best deep ball passer in the NFL in the last half decade, a, a guy with a huge touchdown rate that repeats every year. Uh, I just love Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. I love that connection. I think it's going to be solid for years to come. I think him and Tyler Lockett are massive, massive, uh, you know, values in both redraft and dynasty. And I just, I keep wanting to, I just want to be in on that efficiency in Seattle. I think DK Metcalf's a guy who doesn't have, none of these guys have to be our wide receiver one, yeah. uh, but they're going to give us a lot of wide receiver one weeks. I think that's my mm -hmm. whole point. None of these guys are going to break 125 targets in 2020, but I think uh, all of them have that potential to be top 12 wide receivers in 2020. Terry McLaurin, I love for a million reasons. I mean, I've mentioned so many times that him and Dwayne Haskins have like this supernatural connection. I don't like Dwayne Haskins. I don't think he's a very good quarterback. I don't like the fact that he doesn't take big, big risks. You know what I mean? And he doesn't have a lot of the things that I want him to have, like uh, that, that we're looking for. So it's very possibly gets replaced and he has a much better quarterback uh, operating uh, with Terry McLaurin. But I also think that if, if, Dwayne Haskins is still there. You know, we've seen what him and Terry McLaurin can do. And we've seen how strong that connection is. We go back to like even 2017 at the college ranks and they had the number one uh, passer rating delivered to one another uh, in 2017 ahead of like Baker Mayfield and CeeDee Lamb and people like that. So it's just crazy what they've done. And I think Terry McLaurin continues to be undervalued. Uh, I think if anybody was to hit 120 targets, it will be him or it will be mm -hmm. AJ Brown. Yeah. I think AJ Brown, the argument I have for him is that he is super talented. He was my number one wide receiver coming out in that draft class. And we, we pushed him down our boards irresponsibly. So don't want to make that mistake again. I think the big question is the volume of AJ Brown. It is that offense. And I totally agree. But if Derrick Henry was to leave at the end of the season, uh, you know, mm -hmm. and it's anybody's ball game, because that's my big problem with the offense in Tennessee is that they, the play volume is slow. They're going to run the ball 450 times in that offense. And AJ Brown is going to suffer because of that. But I would also argue that what we saw with Corey Davis when uh, what's his name came in and replaced LaFleur there, Mike Vrabel ended up heaping. So Corey Davis as a rookie at about 19% market share or something, he ended up going up to 25% market share in 2018, erroneously. It was a debacle, obviously. But <laughs> for Mike Vrabel to show that kind of confidence and make Corey Davis such a predominant wide receiver one for his team, uh, I think is a precursor to what we should see with A.J. Brown, who obviously impressed immensely. Uh, if it wasn't for this one thing, like A.J. Brown just dominated after the catch. Him and Devo Samuel had historic yards after the catch per reception numbers last year. What the difference was is A.J. Brown did all this on the outside. So I think there'll be a lot more attention paid to A.J. Brown from defenses. There might be a lot right. more coverage and things like that. So I think we do need to uh, see some better separation from A.J. Brown on a consistent mm -hmm. basis. And I know we don't care a lot about separation with certain wide receivers, but I think when we see the yards after the catch totals we saw from A.J. Brown, we know he plays outside. I think we do need to see that separation from, mm -hmm. from him. Yeah, uh, I so definitely you, like that. Are you satisfied on that group, Trav? I am satisfied on that group. I think it's, I want all three guys, like you said, I, I want pieces of them in my dynasty teams. And uh, it was a really, really tough choice between those three. So um, that's why I didn't write it down because I didn't want to put the words on paper. So staying with uh, separation, not a lot of people are seeing separation between some of these wide receivers and some of them I just mentioned. So that's why I did this one next. So we have Calvin Ridley, Cortland Sutton, and Devontae Parker. I have Calvin Ridley as my dynasty or mm -hmm. sorry, I have, no, sorry, I have Cortland Sutton as my dynasty, Calvin Ridley as my redraft, and Devontae Parker as my easy fade in this group. 
Right. I like that. Mm. That's a tricky one. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Calvin Ridley dynasty. I think, Oh, that's tricky. Devonte Parker is kind of enticing for redraft to be completely honest with you, but I, I think I'm going to stick with Cortland Sutton. Um, there was a little bit of connection with Drew Locke at the end of last year. I do like Devonte Parker, but P Willie coming back. We talked a little bit about that and how he is a big threat to Devonte Parker's volume. Like Devonte Parker is not going to see 128 targets um, in 2020, like he did last year. So I think, uh, I think Devonte Parker is the fade for me, but I'm going to flip flop the other two. <laughs> Uh, and I'm going to put Calvin Ridley as the dynasty guy and Cortland Sutton as the redraft guy. I just, uh, I've, I've liked Calvin Ridley quite a bit. Um, and I think he is in line for more volume. He has shown efficiency in the red zone and I think he can get it done this year. Um, I know we kind of say that every year for Calvin Ridley and the poor bastards only in his third season, but I think he can definitely put it together and Cortland Sutton. I like for dynasty as well, but I think, um, we're going to see a little bit of a change as far as target distribution coming in 2021. The reason I am not putting Parker above Cortland Sutton for this season is because the abbreviated offseason that we're seeing. And I think it's going to be harder for players like Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler to come in and command some of those targets. So I think Cortland Sutton, Sutton's volume is pretty safe for 2020, but 2021 is where my worry comes in a little bit. So that's why I'm going to have him as the redraft choice. Well, but yep, I think Cortland Sutton's by far the most talented out of these three. Uh, I don't even think that's very close. I think Calvin Ridley can flash that talent, give you those yeah. big weeks. And I think uh, Calvin Ridley has that upside where if he can come with that floor, we hope he can. If he can, uh, he'll he's a lock uh, wide receiver too, in my opinion. And I think in, re in, in, in Dynasty, uh, I have a huge separation. Like I really like Calvin Ridley, really like Cortland Sutton, both top 20 wide receivers. Yeah. Uh, Devonte Parker is just somebody I'm totally fading. Yeah, I'm fully, fully with you on that one. Um, that's interesting that you say that, Ty, because there's a series that I plan on doing for the uh, YouTube channel, and I'm going to talk about players who surged in the back half of the season last year, and Devonte Parker is going to be the first installment. So that's one that I'm going to dig into a little bit more. We have we have talked a little bit about it in past episodes, but I'm going to dive into his. Uh, tale of two seasons a little bit there so definitely definitely an in interesting group and i'm with you on that the Devonte parker there is a gap between him and those other two pretty big time yeah and i, I don't want it to be lost like Devonte parker was so impressive i mean he's ripping up guys like stefan gilmore he's ripping up some amazing elite cornerbacks in one one-on-one -on -one coverage like in shadow coverage last year to finish the season too it was incredible but Mm -hmm. Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick was a YOLO quarterback and that team had zero, I repeat, zero running game. Like I've mm -hmm. never seen such a black hole in the running game uh, from what we saw in Miami last year. For sure. And they brought in two really capable backs. Jordan Howard and Matt Breida can be great on the ground. And I think Matt Breida can be great through the air as well. So I'm interested to see the usage now that they, um, you know, they have some usable bodies there instead of just a bunch of pylons. All right, dude. I think I think that wraps up our uh, Dino redraft and fade. How's that for you? You don't want to do the rookies? Just rapid fire here. CD Lamb, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs. Fire away. Yeah. Okay. CD Lamb, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs. Dynasty. It's going to be CD Lamb. Uh, redraft is going to be Henry Ruggs because the wide receiver core in. Uh, Oakland really needs somebody to command that. And I think of any of the rookies, uh, I think he's got a, a pretty clear path. And then Jerry Judy has to be the fade for me. Uh, I, I like Jerry Judy in Dynasty, um, similarly to what I said against Cortland Sutton's future. 
I think Jerry Judy is going to be the beneficiary of that, but I just couldn't put him over CD lamb being attached to that Dallas offense and uh, ideally Zach or Dak for the next uh, three to five seasons. So CD is the dynasty play for me. Where do you got those guys? Uh, so I put CD lamb as my dynasty. Jerry Judy is my redraft Henry Ruggs as my fade. If you know, I think Henry Ruggs is a guy who, if they replace Derek Carr, he'll just shoot up my rankings next year. Uh, CD Lamb, I just think, you know, he's such an amazing talent. All these guys are, you know, wide receiver 38 or worse in redraft for me. All of them are wide receiver 25 or better in, sorry, 27 or better. Actually, I keep moving Henry Ruggs down for some reason. But, uh, yeah, these guys all have a big ceiling. I think Jerry Judy's the one with the floor. And CD Lamb is the guy who I think could have both. Nice. Um, do you want to do tight ends or do you want to save them? Uh, why don't we save them? We'll uh, we'll get into some tight ends a little bit later. We're getting near the two-hour mark here, so uh, maybe we'll just tie this one in a bow and we'll do some tight ends on a later date. Sounds good. All righty. Yeah, Ty, really quick before we start the ride out here, I just want to talk a little bit about what the team has going on. So obviously earlier I mentioned uh, the TNFF Network, our YouTube channel. We are super, super stoked about that. Uh, I just mentioned a, a little bit of a series that I'm going to be doing on there. Uh, we hope to bring, you know, not only just the roundtable discussion, but... Uh, Ty and I like to think that we're pretty informational on our podcast and that we give you lots of lots of ammo to put in your tool belt. And I think that's kind of one thing that we want to bring to the YouTube space is we want to bring some really uh, not necessarily long videos, maybe some shorties, but stuff that's going to be really hard hitting information and stuff that you can soak in and take with you as you move into drafts and trades and, and all sorts of fantasy roster management. So uh, super stoked on the YouTube channel. Uh, we got articles coming on the site. Shout out to OG article Joe for doing all of our editing. He's doing a stellar job keeping all the articles uh, organized and keeping us posted on what's ready to go and whatnot. So we really appreciate that. And of course, the team, we've got four podcasts in the True North Fantasy Football Podcast Network. Obviously, there is Ty and my podcast, the True North Fantasy Pod. We got Jim and Connor on the Gold Jacket Pod. We've got Josh, Smokey Hell, Nelson on the Smoke Show Pod. And then the newest members of the True North team, Julian and Aaron at the point after so you can follow them at the point after ff uh really stoked to have those guys on board loving the team loving the direction that true north is going right now so i just wanted to take some time to mention all of that of course another guy that i didn't mention there was good old big willie style he's doing a lot of really good stuff in the community with charity leagues and all sorts of stuff so definitely feel free to hit the site and check out the team get familiar get following everybody really stoked about where we're going as as a group as a collective we're kind of all on the same page and it feels great yeah pumped to be in the same scott fishbowl division as julian yeah, that's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet. You got Polly and Josh eh? and Josh Ermsmeyer, one of my yeah. all time uh, heroes when it comes that, to the industry. That is killer. I've got uh, I've got Rock'em Sock'em. Um, and the main highlight in that one for me was Evan Silva. But I know that it is a very stellar group. So if any of those uh, Rock'em Sock'ems are listening, that was not a slight to you by any means. It's just uh, I Evan Silva was the name that jumped off the page for me because it's pretty exciting yeah. to be able to draft and play with him. Um, hopefully he doesn't smash me. Yeah, if anybody was offended by me only mentioning Hermsmeyer, work harder. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, be, <laughs> be better. Um, Don't no, be so easily offended because Hermsmeyer is the king. 
Yeah, exactly. It's going to be fun too. I think Silva is drafting one spot ahead of me as well. So uh, it will be it will be interesting to see where he goes in the draft. And we're super excited about the Scott Fish Bowl. Shout out to Scott Fish for for putting that on all the work that he puts in and everybody who's putting in a bunch of work and uh, giving their time for for a great cause. So um, yeah, any yeah, any I want I want to mention that yeah. again too. Like I, I really I really just I love the just the the person that scott fish is i think it's just so commendable and i'll say it again that you know it's one thing to make it in this industry and in a lot of ways that people do it's another thing to make it with just pure good messages with non-agenda driven well you know well intentioned you know actions i just think what he's done is so uh it's so hard to accomplish and i just think uh he's he set such a good example for how to how to carry yourself in this industry Mm-hmm. And in life, probably too, right? He's just, uh, you can tell from like the first piece of a message that you see from him or whatever, a post that he puts out that he is just a good human being. And so I think, I think we could all take some of those values back and, and try to be better ourselves. But uh, very, very well said, Ty. We're super excited for this fishbowl. I think uh, as of this recording, we're about eight days out from drafting. So it's, uh, it's prep time. I got a couple of mocks on the go. Uh, I'm, I got my Abby and my banner coming soon. I'm, you know, crunching some of the numbers, soaking up all the spreadsheets I see on Twitter and stuff. We appreciate all the people who are putting that stuff out because that stuff's a lot of work and it's really cool for us to dig through. So, yeah, so that's kind of what's going on for True North right now. Um, as always, you can find, you can see both mine and Ty's handles right there and right uh, there. Okay, yeah. Um, Ty is at TNFF Tyrell and I am at TSEAL14. So, so, uh, yeah, really appreciate all of our listeners. Uh, couldn't be here without you. We really love you. TrueNorthFFB.com is the site to find all of our work. And TrueNorthFFB is the Twitter handle. So, Ty, you got any final parting shots here? No, yeah. Check out the rankings. Yeah, definitely check out the rankings popping up on the site very shortly. We got Canada Day on Wednesday, July 1st. So, um, you know, all of our people down in the States or anywhere outside of Canada, just uh, have a drink for us on Wednesday because it's uh, it's Canada Day. It's going to be fun. Peace.